I think you all know why I gathered you here today. Mm -hmm. The studio is in disarray, and this podcast, which is supposed to be a huge windfall for me, is not making any money. I mean, as soon as you let that fight club start working out of here, I feel like you're just asking for trouble. I'm on my break. Well, none of you guys have any constructive suggestions, I guess. So I, that I just wanted to add, I thought it was real weird when you hired that live band to play while we were podcasting. I know, but you, you give us grief whenever we're hitting our microphones too much and making noise. There's a whole band playing behind us. I thought that would mess with our audio levels. Yeah. And you can't, and you still complain about it. And we still it. hit the microphones. <laughs> yeah, and you still hit the microphones. So that's why I brought in the best cooler that I could find to try to whip this place into shape. Okay. So whatever he says goes. It's his hmm. house now. I don't like new things, so I'm going to be negative about this. Yeah, I have some trepidations as well. All right, let's see what this cooler has to say. I'm crossing my arms. Yeah, I've got my hands on my hips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though I brought him in. Creek. Hello, it's me, Joe Cooler. Yeah, I Joe? They got Joe Cooler. Joe they Cooler. Got Joe they got Joe Cooler. Yeah. Oh my hey. God. I've heard of him. I've heard Joe Cooler. I, I heard Joe Cooler rip somebody's eye out. I heard I did. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I heard he's cousins with Joe Cool, who's <gasps> just like too cool for school. Oh, man. Do you I, think I can't hear you? <laughs> because I can. I don't know anything about Joe Cooler, but his last name was Cooler, which made me think, you know, in the old-timey way of, like, Smith and stuff. So yeah. his family must be a family of Coolers. Man, he can hear us when we're sidebarring with a hand in front of our... He, he's so good! I'm actually one of the world's greatest tax attorneys. Oh. But oh. my name is Cooler, so I thought, what the hell, I'll come and do this. How do you measure how great a tax attorney is? Are you world fame or like most, most returns? Oh, most returns. Per so it's year. Qu it's quantity. Yes, that's okay. right. So you're gonna come in here and tell us how to run our studio. Have you ever even been in a studio before? No, but I'm gonna wing it. Oh, okay. Do you have any sort of rules that you can list off? I sure do. Rule number one. If you're going to go on a tangent, take it outside. Oh, that's a good rule, actually. We go on tangents a lot. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if I can do that. I should just mm -hmm. go outside now. Yeah. Okay, rule, <laughs> rule number two. Podcast better. Oh. That's a really good rule. Yeah, I'm writing that I down. Didn't Real that. constructive criticism there. Yeah. I don't think I can do that one either. Yeah. Mm. I hope the next rule isn't about sidebarring. Yeah. All right. And rule number three, be funny. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Well, it, now these just seem like slights against us. If sort you of. expect us to podcast better and be funny. Yeah. If, if the movie you're covering is bad, I want you to be funny. Mm -hmm. Well, as long as you're okay with me selling drugs while we do the podcast, I'm honestly fine with those rules. Yep. No, that's no problem. I'll take some drugs, please. Awesome. Well, <laughs> what happens if somebody gets in my face and says that I'm not funny? Then be funny still. Damn, he's good. Tell a joke. <sighs> do a oh, funny man. dance. What about all the fights that keep happening in here? Are you going to do anything to help break up the fights in the studio? Absolutely not. Hey. That's fine. Keep doing that. The band's gonna keep playing too. It's mm -hmm. really loud. They have a great intro song, but like, oh, it's just so loud. Me and Jeff Healy are personal friends. Mm -hmm. You know Jeff Healy? Mm -hmm, yes. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you must have been really upset when he died yeah, several very, years ago. Very tragic. 
this guy is worth like the $5,000 a night. Wait, you're paying him? Yeah. You don't pay us. Mm. I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to What Did We Just Watch, the movie quiz show podcast. Today's episode is about the 1989 action thriller film Roadhouse, directed by Rowdy Harrington and starring Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, and Sam Elliott. In this movie, a tough bouncer is hired to tame a dirty bar. I am your host, Mark Nessel, and our contestants today are playing as Steve Nice, Steve Goff. Hello, everyone. Playing as Jasper Mozori, Mo McGee. Pain don't hurt. And playing as Bob don't hurt, Bob Killian. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and of course, our contestants will be playing for this week's mystery prize that will be revealed at the end of the show. So I don't think I'm the only one. I was very excited to talk about this movie. I think it really challenges the language that we use in the podcast. A lot of times we talk about covering mainly bad movies. And um, I don't, we give our recommendations at the end, so I don't want to cover it. But it fits the premise of our podcast correctly, but I don't know if it's necessarily a bad movie. This movie came out, it did fine. But a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about it. So I have a couple of a very truncated list of contemporary criticism about this movie. So the late okay. 80s. So on Rotten Tomatoes, like um, a metric which I don't always love, um, but you get a vote count of stuff, has this movie at 41% for critic reviews and 67% for audience. So not super great for either of those metrics. The critics consensus that they like add here. Um has the little pull quote, and it reads, whether Roadhouse is simply bad or so bad it's good depends largely on the audience's fondness for Swayze and tolerance for violent, cheesy action. So again, so bad or so bad it's good. Um, Roger Ebert gave this film two and a half out of four stars and commented, Roadhouse exists right on the edge between the good bad movie and merely bad I hesitate to recommend it because so much depends on the ironic ver- vision of the viewer. This is not a good movie, but viewed in the right frame of mind, it's not a boring one either. Um, the movie was also nominated at the time for five Golden Razzies, Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Patrick Swayze, Worst Supporting Actor, Ben Gazzara, Worst Director, and Worst screen- Screenplay. But John Wilson's book, which is the guy who created the Golden Razzies, has this movie as one of the most uh, the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made. So a lot of the criticism is kind of like backhanded compliments. They're always like, it's bad, but it's like so bad it's good. It's cheesy, but it's like one of the most enjoyable bad movies. So I wanted to say this. Is is Do you think this is a bad movie? I was kind of shocked when you said we're doing this movie because I'm like, this is a good movie. Why are we doing this on the podcast? I love this movie. Um, but after hearing everything you just said, I agree. It seems like no one wants to, uh, you know, criticize it too much without sandwiching a like nice little compliment in there. 
Um, but then hearing that too, I, I love Swayze and I love cheesy fighting. So maybe um, I'm hitting the nail on the head with that. And yes, I do think it's a good movie, but I also like those things. Yeah, I think this is a good movie too. Um, the emotional beats and the and the plot through lines of this movie don't work objectively, but <laughs> they don't matter because the the characters are so good. Patrick Swayze is so good in this movie. And one thing I was wondering too while watching this, if its similarities to like a shonen anime um, have greatly impacted our perception of it now because this guy would fit right in in Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. or like a One Piece show, like any anything like like this is an anime. This yeah. is similar to an anime. Characters yeah. who fight for a living in a world where fighting for a living seems like not just a lucrative job, but like an honorable job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a famous job. Too. Yeah, and a fa- I yeah. There's I fame. I would have thought they'd have like uh, cooler trading cards the way they talked about mm-hmm, all the different mm-hmm. coolers out there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I had the same thought. I was like, this is like a sort of wandering samurai like mm-hmm. uh, type of movie. And, you know, I think that this is a good movie with a bad movie grafted onto the third <laughs> act. Like, yeah. because I had the same reaction watching it this time as I did the first time that I saw it, which is that I was really enjoying the movie up until the third act. And then it, I think it just takes a totally different turn. And I don't like the third act of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I overall, but I, I really do think that the first, I think, hour and 10 minutes or some or so with a few like sort of campy, exceptions at parts for the most part i think is a really good movie like unironically good movie i think that's Mm -hmm. that's my opinion that's my take (laughs) yeah i mean it all seems like if i can boil this down we all pretty much like the movie um a couple of other people who like this movie specifically i found um, an interview on anthony bourdain show parts unknown where he did the episode um with fellow chef sean brock and bill murray and they all talk about how much they love the movie. And Bill Murray's quote is something like, I've never met someone who enjoyed Roadhouse as much as me. So <laughs> at the very least, Bill Murray, and Bill Murray's buddy is actually married to Kelly Lynch. And so he mm. gives him a hard time about every time he watches this movie. Apparently, when he sees the sex scene, he calls up his friend and gives every her time. a heart and gives her, according to the Anthony Bourdain um, interview, and gives him a hard time about Patrick Swayze. Like, I think the term he uses is giving it to his wife or something like that. Oh, my God. I can only imagine that guy being like getting a call from Bill Murray. Oh, fuck. He's watching Roadhouse. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> sounds like a thing Bill Murray would do. Yeah. Or at least Bill Murray would say he does on a CNN show. Cards on the Table. This is one of my favorite movies. Kind of just favorite and like not, not like qualifying like favorite horror, favorite whatever. This is a really good movie, in my opinion, as somebody who whose favorite movies tend to be action movies and it's also one that i was a little hesitant to do first mostly because of i wasn't sure how good i was as an audio engineer and i'm like (laughs) well if we're gonna do roadhouse i want to make sure that we have the format of the podcast down and like Mm -hmm. have the microphone situation figured out it's also and you kind of mentioned this before it's fun to have a movie where every character is like a character Mm -hmm. they're big enough and they're differentiated enough that you could almost make this into a stage play and somebody actually did make this into a stage play. It was an off-Broadway no stage play. Um, I can't think of the actor because I didn't write this down, but it's the guy who, um, the guy who plays Patrick Swayze is the guy who stars in The Last Dragon, that um, black exploitation oh. movie that we watched 
oh, um, yeah. in the 90s. From the 90s. Well, we didn't watch it in the 90s. We watched it pretty recently. That yeah. movie was also like an anime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the wandering samurai trope or like the sort of, or like a Western, obviously, because yeah. those, yeah. those are kind of interchangeable or not interchangeable. Those are kind of indebted to each other and kind of tangle around them. So I always like to look at some of the context around this movie. There's not a long pedigree behind the scenes. We have director and co-writers who don't have a ton of other standout credits besides this. Um, the one exception would be Striking Distance, which is a Bruce Willis movie that we haven't done yet, but is definitely on my radar. It's also set in PA, so I'm obviously interested in it. But um, once again, but the behind-the-scenes force, um, I like to talk about producers. This is a Joel Silver joint. Mm-hmm. You remember Silver from, Joel Silver from Demolition Man? Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember Joint Silver. And Joint Silver, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the creator, co-creator of Ultimate Frisbee himself. Like, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. That explains it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he brought back Michael um, Carmen for this one, a famous composer who, among other things, has done Lethal Weapon and Die Hard with Silver before this, as well as knife designer and manufacturer Jack Crane, who has knife designer and manufacturing credits on about 15 movies and TV shows that you've actually probably heard of almost all of them. And most of them are silver productions. So Ricochet, Predator, The Last Boy Scout, both Die Hard movies, this one, I think Commando too. I don't have that written down. What a great gig. Yeah. Knife designer. There are a ton of knives in this movie yeah. too. Yeah. You get a lot of close-ups on that knife too. Yes. So. Yeah. Is that the one that is in Sam Elliott's chest? Oh, yes. Spoiler okay. alert. <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah, I'm still right. watching the movie. With my chest. One of many. Can you say Miho real quick, Bob? Miho. Okay, good. We'll be. I'll be dropping that randomly into the podcast. Um, you put your, your hand on Mark's shoulder and look in his eyes and say, Miho. Yeah. Um, so another thing about this movie, other than being a Joel Silver-like production, is... This is a stunt show that was put to film. Um, I found a quote from the director saying he wanted the stunts to be good and believable, but also funny in a Keystone Cops kind of way. And I think the way that he sort of achieves that as a viewer is they do a pretty good job of keeping the stunts kind of wide where you'll actually see like the whole body stunt, whether it's like pulling somebody over a table or like... Mm -hmm a wide shot of many people fighting and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, especially when it's people pretending to fight in a film, they, it always kind of looks funny because it, at least when you can pull away and you're like, well, no one's getting seriously hurt in this. We're not watching a canon movie. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is going home to their loved ones after this. And then the last thing I wanted to say for behind the scenes stuff before we get into it is supposedly, and I couldn't find this, there is a three-hour cut of this movie. Oh, wow. I don't know if anybody's like leaked it or anything. It's never like come out Release on a DVD. The or... silver cut. Yeah, the Joel I, Silver cut. Yeah. I am curious. I would be curious. Like I would watch that movie mm-hmm. if I found yeah. it because I really I was curious to see if you had any information about anything like changes in the script or changes in because I really do feel like the third act of this movie is totally out of place yeah. and it feels like somebody else came in and changed it or like did it feels very much like it doesn't follow from the rest of the movie. Yeah, from what I understand this 
was a total hatchet job. Um, similar to Demolition Man, where they turned in a movie that was a little too long for what they wanted, and they brought in... I'm not sure. I actually didn't write down who edited this movie, but they just edited it down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we haven't gotten to it yet, but Keith David is in this movie mm-hmm. in that one scene. Right. Yeah. According to him... Um, he had like he shot like a bunch of stuff. He was like a like a character with scenes with Swayze, like him and Swayze. And that's what I was wondering if there was a three hour movie. There's so many characters in this, and some of them kind of get like a minute arc or something. Yes. I would love to have seen like those other characters fleshed out. Yeah, more. the final act, a Swayze one one on one fights every henchman in that accord again according to what i was able to find so you know that one runner of scenes where the knife henchman for lack of a better term like walks in and sees like a like a one henchman on the floor and then he does it like two more times there's scenes missing where they actually did f- like shoot swayze mm. fighting that individual henchman and dispatching him mm-hmm. so yeah that third act is um, well, it's a, I think it's a question much later, but it's from the time that he pulls the knife out of Elliot's chest until the credits roll, it's not very long. If you don't like yeah. the third act of this movie, don't worry, because it's not a third of the movie. <laughs> it's much less than a third of this movie. I do think that the script is the only thing that's holding this movie back. I mentioned earlier that like the emotional through line don't work in this movie. The whole thing about Swayze being like, on the run from a murder charge that he apparently was already in court for, but is guilty about. Was he like, on the run? I thought he just had like yeah, emotional baggage. Right, he just has emotional baggage, but it's not enough to stop him from being the best, like cooler in the. Yeah, biz. he doesn't hang up his spurs as right. it were and pick a job. He like like doubles down on cooling, and then he's like seemingly worried it's going to happen again, but then goes through and makes it happen again like mm-hmm. the exact same thing yeah so it's, it's just there's like some stuff that just doesn't add up yeah to a better movie at the end um mm-hmm. that if you hammered out this could be a, like a stone cold classic mm-hmm. um and it's close to that despite it mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i mean we could talk a little bit about swayze he was red hot going into this movie it was sort of he could choose any script he liked. He liked, I think from what I remember, he liked this because he thought it was a nice counterpoint to Dirty Dancing, which mm-hmm. was a movie where he played a bit more of a sensitive character. This is still a sensitive, but obviously more of like a badass. Emotionally like, constipated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but apparently, and again, this is like one of those IMDb facts that people like love to talk about. Like this was a la like, I can only think of like Star Wars and Harry Potter and stuff where like, they had to take steps to prevent people from like coming onto the set because they wanted to like, I guess, I don't know what you do when you run up to a celebrity and like hug them or something. I don't know. But there were women like trying to find Patrick Swayze where they were filming <laughs> because he was like such a hot commodity at the time. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I, I understand that 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's obviously very attractive. It's just he was so zeitgeisty after Dirty Dancing, yeah. too, when that came out. Like, um, so the um, sort of post filming this. Um, consequences was he hurt himself extremely bad doing these stunts these are all Mm. like he did all of his own stunts stunts? sam elliott did all this is pretty much obviously there are stuntmen in this movie a lot of the bouncers are like stuntmen or like actor stuntmen or something like that pretty much everyone is doing a big like chunk of their own stunts certainly the 
I don't know about the vehicle stuff, but a lot of the fighting is pretty much they like um, the main bad guy was hired because he's ex-military. He's like an ex-military guy who would wow. who to turn to acting and like has been an actor since. But um, that makes me love this movie even more. Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying Sam Elliott really got stabbed in the chest? Oh, yeah, definitely. Spoilers, man. Um, but um, so because this movie, he got hurt so bad doing it, he chose to do Ghost after this mm. because he wanted to pick a movie where he wouldn't have to. And I think he might have, I don't think, hurt himself. And again, like, you of the internet, look, like, fact check me yourselves, weirdos who are what, listening to this podcast. But... um he might have like hurt himself a little bit on Dirty Dancing just from all the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. But like the one two punch of Dirty Dancing into Roadhouse, he was like, I that's a lot of miles on on this body. I'm gonna do something that doesn't involve a ton of stunts or physicality or anything. What like historical choices though? Like history was made because of like the consequences of every choice he made. And then oh, he yeah. kept making great choices. Weirdly, <laughs> Patrick Swayze and and I mean we'll probably like I'd love to do Red Dawn someday. That's a extremely weird movie that's like also pretty good. Um every one of Swayze's like choices in like um casting for himself is like a weird monkey's paw where it sort of like in- determines the next one in a way that's like so direct as opposed to somebody who the kind of more I like um the way most people imagine where it's like whatever the premise of the movie is if it's successful then they they have like carte blanche to do whatever next like weirdly a lot of Swayze's choices at least from what I w- read seem to be in a response in some way whether because of the way the role was or the toll that the role took on him and i am curious because this i think from what i've read this this movie really cast him in like bronze as this kind of character and i think it kind of stymied a lot of the other roles that he had because he only had one or two more movies before his his star sort of like fell Mm -hmm. for how high it was after like dirty dancing and this was not a flop but it's sort of like i think cast him as this type of actor and i don't know if this was the type of role that he was interested in doing going forward as opposed to like a stallone who would have been happy to do roles like this probably (laughs) the rest of his career like an action star yeah swayze was sort of an all-around sort of guy yeah yeah it's also this movie comes out at a weird time too where it's right at the because this is 89 right yeah it's right at the end of the like the opulence and the nudity of the 80s. And it's like you don't see this type of movie even like two or three years later. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing where like you have Dirty Dancing and Roadhouse, which are both so obviously 80s movies. You're riding that reputation into the 90s, which sort of eschews a lot of the specifically Dirty Dancing and Roadhouse sort of aspects of the 80s. Yeah, I mean, if you compare this to something like uh, Terminator 2, like this oh, is yeah. this is more violent than Terminator 2 <laughs> by like yeah. a long stretch. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned when you said Stallone, it made me think of like there are a lot of other actors they could have picked for mm-hmm. this movie. 
and it wouldn't be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, because you mentioned in that list of the Razzies before that, like him as like worst actor, and I think that's nonsense. Oh, like, absolutely, crazy. not. He's yeah. not particularly crazy. like emotional or anything in the movie. Like, he's pretty, you know, he plays it pretty straight. Mm-hmm. But it's still like it would not be the same if it was somebody else, and that's a credit to him. Like, he mm-hmm. really he makes this character he really well. To it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's not the best written. Like, but, yeah. like it's not the most emotional, but he does commit to yeah. what he's doing, and he makes that his own. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's the easiest thing to believe in the movie is that this guy is like <laughs> yeah. a like a philosopher right. bouncer. Like you don't I mean you question it because it's stupid. But, <laughs> but you you believe it when you see his actions and, yeah. and to his credit, he does such a good job at the beginning of the movie that at the end of the movie when he's frustrated and like lost you don't really buy you it. You don't believe You're it. You're like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> exactly. Like, nothing has changed, especially because he keeps telling us, I've seen this before. I know exactly what happens. Like, yeah. yeah. Sam Elliott's character told him that that was going to happen. Right, exactly. Yeah. He's, but he's seen it. Yeah. yeah, but he's, like, um, frustrated. Kelly yeah. Lynch's character told him that this was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem like a person who would ignore all of those, yeah. like, things. <laughs> right. And, yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll get into the third act. We'll, like, um, the... 10 minutes of the third act or whatever it actually <laughs> is. But do you guys want to start the first round now? Let's do it. Um, so for the first round, big surprise, I'm going to talk to you guys about the characters. So I'm going to name a, the. we're going to stick with the character name. I say the character name and you just tell me what the character is. Is I don't need like a like an actor or anything, obviously. Um, so some will obviously be much easier than others. Um, the first name that I have here is Emmett. Steve. Okay, so Emmett is the prospector-esque man who <laughs> rents him the barn, um, whose barn, whose main house gets blown up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So um, Emmett's the character is named um, Sunshine Parketer is the name of the actor. Oh. Um, very interesting character actor career, not a super long career, kind of started as an older person. A lot of his uh, character names, I'm only going to list a very short one, but he plays um, drunkard, vagrant, hobo, cowboy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The two main roles that I know him for are one Tremors, Mm. where he plays the man who I believe is, we never really see him alive. He's like dead up on the telephone pole, but you'll have to listen. scroll over to the Tremors episode when that comes out, because that's <laughs> definitely coming soon. And then the other one is he plays the hobo in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the one that sings on the <gasps> boxcar. Yeah, yeah, on the railway. Yeah, oh. yeah. I was, I was going to say, I knew at least one person on this panel <laughs> who'd be very excited to bring up Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, at least he's not typecast. Yeah. Well, no, he might. I, he seems somebody who's very yeah. satisfied to be typecast. He's and not, this, he's singing all the songs with Pee-wee, and then Pee-wee gets so bored with it, he just screams and jumps off the train. <laughs> yeah, so I th- funny. I'm pretty sure that's the hobo that, yeah, that I wrote down. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely one of the hobos, or. Whatever, that's the term they give him in Pee-wee's yeah. Big Adventure. Yeah, hobo's okay. Yeah, okay, He's good. literally riding the <laughs> yeah, rails. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a, he really leans into being a, a farmer in this movie. Mm-hmm. He owns a farm, and I have a number of strange things that he says in this, like on later um, yeah, his character questions. just seemed kind of lonely. He's like, I'm not going to charge you to pay. You can just use the room. Yeah. People keep mm-hmm. going by. They don't want it. I loved his dialogue in this movie. Oh, yeah. You were just talking about the room thing. He has that bit, which you, you 
just said you might ask a question about but where he's like i gotta keep square with the church yeah. like <laughs> they'll be like down my neck if i don't and he's like i didn't quite get that he's <laughs> like ain't that just the way where the the more money you get the more square you are with the like he's very naturalistic and I, oh yeah the lines are good the acting is good mm-hmm. i like him at the end he's a good actor yeah yeah we kind of talked about this like the problems with the script are not I don't think they're dialogue related. It's more like plot related and and action related and setting related because the casting is great as we're going to get to. And the dialogue is really good. There's a lot of quotable lines. from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably like a like a third of the questions that I have (laughs) in the non like character related ones are dialogue related. Um, But the next question I have is who is Brad Wesley? Um, he was the villain from the A-Team who owns the town and is trying to, uh, uh, you know, run things his way. You got to get liquor through him. You got to pay your 10%. He's really, really just a big wig villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The bad guy in this movie played by Ben Gazzara, who's great. Um, he has a bunch of credits. And to my shame, I don't, I don't recognize a ton of the stuff he's in, but just a like hundreds of or like something in the hundreds of movie and TV show credits a little bit before the time that I've watched a ton of stuff. But um, the biggest one obviously is an anatomy of a murder, which is he has a great role in that. Um, But yeah, there's a great quote that again, it's an IMDb thing. So this could be totally untrue. But apparently Ben Gazzara and Patrick Swayze really got along and it's sort of like last generation this generation hollywood and he was like yeah he's a super nice guy i was like i enjoyed working with him and this was not his last role but it was like sort of like later in his career and he does a great job he's an awesome villain in this Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense why he's here in missouri (laughs) like where it's sort of like he's like a chicago like guy like that he's come to missouri and he owns the town Mm -hmm. but he does a good job he chews every scene that he's in yeah i feel like he threw a dart at a map and was like here's where i'm gonna extort every person (laughs) like i'm tired of being a little fish in a big pond Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be the big fish this time yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, the smallest pond i can find yeah Yeah. where's somewhere where i can buy the police force yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, they do talk about it, and yeah, I think it is one of the questions of the exacts of it. But yeah, it, it, I have it, thoughts. Even yeah, <laughs> even still, it doesn't really make that much sense. So the next question I have: Who is Cody? That's Jeff Healy. Yep, it's Jeff Healy, Canadian musician and actual blind man. Like he's not pretending to he's be a blind man. He's credited as that. Yeah. Yeah. He's cre- no. <laughs> um, no. He is. Yeah. Jeff Healy and the Jeff Healy band is the actual house band in this, which again is something that is kind of whimsically fun to actually yeah. get sort of a low mm. stakes, like like not a either assemble like a fake band or something like that. I've seen this movie a couple times and it's been a minute since the last time I saw it. So when it started playing and I saw Jeff Healy, I got so excited. I'm like, I Mm -hmm. forgot. I'm happy he's in this movie. Like he does a pretty good job with like the simple acting stuff he does. Like he's Mm -hmm. believable, like playing a character like him. But uh, my household grew up listening to a lot of blues music. So Mm -hmm. I I 
loved, loved, loved all the music he did throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. He was just fantastic. Put a real band in your movie. Yeah. It's yeah, fun. Why not? It's yeah. really fun. It's like having a band at a wedding. It's yeah. like, this is the yeah. good music we want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the double deuce really looks like it plays both types of music, country and yeah. western. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and Jeff Healy, like fits that aesthetic like he is doing more of like a blues thing but it it makes perfect sense it never Mm -hmm. they're they are too good for the movie especially at the beginning oh yeah Um, but they when it's a nicer establishment later in the in the movie you sort of believe that they are like a better band yeah Yeah. i like how they took the cage down once the bar got a little bit better okay we're less terrified of people now yeah it's like in a video game as you like level up your base or something (laughs) like that it's like you you lose a little bit of like you go from the torn furniture to like the good furniture (laughs) and you go from like the the stage with the cage to like the uncaged stage as the cooler for this podcast (laughs) i really think we should get a cage around the table we record at yeah people keep throwing beer bottles i would like that too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it did make me think of that scene from the blues brothers though when they lie about being the band for the bar and they have to go back behind the cage and everyone is just throwing so yeah. many yeah. beers at them i'm like oh my god this is actually a thing I yeah see it in two movies now i was about to say yeah can we name has that ever happened i guess that must be a real thing because mm-hmm. the only third ip because i was thinking of this and i was mm-hmm. like roadhouse the blues brothers and then an episode of The Simpsons where they go, one of the times they go into Bart and Lisa's future and he's playing like a future bar that has a future cage, if memory <laughs> serves me. And I'm like, that could just be a reference to Roadhouse yeah. of the Blues Brothers. So yeah. I don't know if that counts, but I'm like, were there cages set up for so people couldn't throw like beers at, yeah. at live musicians or and something? I don't want to sound like an ignorant person that lives like in the northern part of our country, but maybe mm-hmm. it's down south that happens more often. Yeah, maybe. Not yeah. saying anything about anyone from down south, mm-hmm. but. I would never throw a bottle at a musician. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Imagine, I can't. Like again, even if somebody was being like extremely vile, that would mm-hmm. not be the th- like. I can yeah. imagine booing somebody. I yeah. could imagine trying to go to the establishment, like getting them to take them off stage. Yeah, but- I, I wasn't done. I would. <laughs> I would never throw a bottle at a musician. You put that cage up. I'm throwing that bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Does that instigate it, the throwing? Yeah, I think it true. invites the it idea really that you can. It's okay to throw your right. bottle yeah, against no, the. There's no consequence for your actions. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. just do it and not get in trouble because it's expected of you at that yeah. point. And My, Jeff Healy's a differently abled person. Yeah. Like <laughs> that was upsetting in the beginning when he's like, "Okay, I gotta go use the bathroom." They're like, "No, you got. You're paying. You're being paid to play. Keep playing." And they threw a bottle at a blind man. Yeah. That's like it's gross. It is. <laughs> I would be worried that because if I threw the bottle, it would not break against the fence. I, I'm <laughs> worried it would bounce back <laughs> and hit someone in the front row. Or yeah. Hit you. <laughs> yeah. What are you like, Montgomery Burns or something? Mm-hmm. You're throwing right. it and like <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Without the money, yeah. Um, okay. Gusta wind comes by, you just get blown away. <laughs> All right. So the next question. Who is Pat McGurn? I'm going to guess that that is the owner of the establishment. Uh, No, I'm afraid not. Uh, Is this the guy who owns the car lot that gets run over by the monster truck? No. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take a guess. Um, 
Was this uh, Brad Wesley's nephew that yes. worked there? Uh, okay. Yeah, Brown, Brad Wesley's nephew. And there were a lot of people in this movie who I was like, that's not fair to include them. But Wesley's nephew does like get a couple of times and he does call him Pat or Patrick like once or twice or something mm-hmm. like that. So he's played by John Doe of X. Um, mm-hmm. who, Wait, what? Uh, John Doe is the name of the actor. His name's um, actually John Doe. Well, I... Not his, probably not his birth name, okay. but it is his like name. His and stage he, name. Yeah. Okay. His, well, his stage name, but also, I mean, he's been acting and like, like being credited under that name since the eighties, I want to say like, they're like a famous LA punk band oh, okay. and he has a ton of really interesting credits. I don't actually have too many of them written now, but, um, I wrote down here, yeah, John Doe plays Wesley's nephew, who is kind of the inciting incident of this movie. Because mm-hmm. obviously, Wesley doesn't want Swayze to be, like, I guess, convincing people not to pay him. But it seems like the real thing that gets stuck in his craw is that he his nephew isn't employed at the Double Deuce anymore, where I guess he steals from the till. Like, he's a small-time thief from yeah. a, from an establishment that's presumably paying him. It, to me, it more seemed like, oh, you're, you're coming at my family now, and that we're going to have to have a power struggle. Yeah, I guess. it's Like, no one even tries to mess with my family because I'm the big wig around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he says that. He has, like, three or four opportunities to say that, but he doesn't <laughs> quite say that. We, we'll get to it when we go through the plot, but it's just sort of, like, John Doe's character seems, like, more upset about it, kind of. And Wesley he, sort of, like, empowers his goons to, like, go after him for that reason. Yeah, because he did tell his goons, like, hey, this is my my do- my sister's only son. And if no one else is looking out for him, mm-hmm. I have to look out. I was, again, like, kind of the whole family dynamic. That's what I picked up from that speech that he gave them. Yeah. Where it's like, if I'm not looking out for him, you're looking out for him. How'd you let this happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was confused for a minute there because I... I misassociated the John Doe from X with Pat Smear from, oh, the, germs. from the Germs. Yeah, yeah I was like, and wait, isn't Pat Smear and, the guy from and X? later Nirvana? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, because I, I was like, I was like from X, and then I looked at Steve, and he picked up his phone. I'm yeah. like, oh crap, I got my LA <laughs> no, like I, punk bands I mixed was up. Mistaken. It was I. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next question that I have: Who was um, Carrie Ann? I believe that's the waitress at the bar. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Played by um, Kathleen Wilthaut. I was going to ask if she was anyone. She had a really good voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Journey yeah, Journeyman actor. Um, the I didn't write down a ton of her stuff, but her, she's got a long IMDb. I think she also does some voice acting, too. Um, yeah. I didn't write down something specifically to talk about. But she's somebody who, in the like press like in interviews has said her part was much longer mm-hmm. and she filmed a ton sense. more okay. and it's a shame because she's a cool character too i liked her yeah and it would be cool for patrick swayze to interact with a woman who he doesn't have a, a like a love interest with yeah or they could even like i don't know pass the bechdel test or something yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah i 
when I went into this, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's the woman who's jealous of his relationship. And I'm like, wait, no, that never happens. No. She just goes to his house that one time and sees mm-hmm. his butt. And then why, yeah. why keep that scene? <laughs> I'm true. not complaining they kept that scene. Yeah. But why keep that scene in? Like, if she wasn't going to have a bigger part. I didn't really tell us anything about her. Yeah. I can think of two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> just that she is a normal woman with needs and yep. every, anyone would react the same way. Yeah, but the, qua- the crazy thing is she despite her having almost all of her stuff cut, her arc is sort of still in the movie because they have that one scene where she's singing and like somebody makes, one of the bouncers makes a comment like, oh, I didn't realize she could sing. And then when we go to the car lot, the bouncer and her are like, arm, like he's got yeah, her he arm. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, wow, there's a whole movie going on. Yeah. <laughs> like outside of this movie. Maybe if we zoom on some background shots, we can see their whole arc playing out. Yeah, yeah in the case. background of this. Yeah, her, it doesn't bother me so much that we don't get to see what her inner life is, but you get the sense from the performance that there is much more there. Like, I think it's a good performance because you look at that character and you're like, that's someone with something going on. Yeah. yeah. Just, the, just the fact that they're there in the bar that's like a real mess and are nice still. Like, they're yeah. nice already. Like, yeah. Patrick Swayze doesn't improve their lives. Yeah. Um, they're doing fine. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, you go. I was going to say, that they really did found, uh, find love in a hopeless place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the characters that are good in this movie, weirdly, almost in like a D&D way where it's like, you have some sort of like bad situation where probably in real life, a lot of those people for one reason or another would really struggle to have like to trust people or have interpersonal relationships with like new people. Mm-hmm. But then it's like Patrick Swayze sort of goes through. It's like, you guys are going to be on Ben Gazzara's team. The rest <laughs> of us are going to like have a bond. And it's like, that's sort of how it's, it's mm-hmm. going to like, um, like, cause it doesn't seem like any of the other like people who don't get fired are like still friends with the people who do get fired, which you'd have to assume they'd have more of a relationship with those people. They probably live near each other and have many years, if not decades, if they didn't also grow up in the area, like have some sort of like tie to them. But instead it's like Patrick Swayze comes through and says like <laughs> cu- like good guys and bad guys. And then it's like, okay, th- those are the sides that it's have like been he's drawn. picking teams. Like a yeah, picking re- teams. Recess out. Good, bad, <laughs> yeah. good, yeah. good, good, bad. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next question I have, who is Dr. Elizabeth? I shouldn't have said doctor, (laughs) but um, you clicked first, Bob. Uh, Yeah, okay, so that is the uh, doctor who is told that pain does not hurt. Um, Well, it's told to her, yeah. 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 In my defense, I put down what she's on on Wikipedia, and her name is Dr. Elizabeth, and then in quote, Doc Clay. So I it they was do call her Doc a couple yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they mostly call her Doc, but I was doomed to fail to not <laughs> yeah. use the word Doc because it was like landmines all over that line of text <laughs> that it, I was reading. Is it just Sam Elliott that calls her Doc? No, he's no, Swayze's call her Doc. Oh, okay, times. okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I think when he's angry, it's like, I don't want to tell you, Doc. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he, there's that one scene where he's chewing on a carrot and he's like, Yeah. What's up, Doc? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Did you get to watch the three-hour dish? I they, they cut out so many things but kept that in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, played by Kelly Lynch. Um, also, she doesn't have a ton of roles that I really like recognize, but there's like, a couple that were pretty interesting. Um, and I purposely didn't say exactly which other movie she's in because my next question... 
Um, what other movie have we covered where Kelly Lynch is also one of the main characters? Yeah. And actually another doctor, in fact. She was in, I just had it, I forgot. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Virtuosity. Yep. She plays the doctor in Virtuosity as well. The one who, like, whose daughter is kidnapped. You have to go all the way back to episode one of our podcast to, like, hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I've. I've been eternal sunshine to the spotless minded. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember any of that. That's yeah. a hard thing to make a verb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's very easy. I've got some, like, good news for you. We've, we've got four, 15 other episodes that you can listen to of this podcast. Yeah, it, the <laughs> the listeners are all going to be just me trying to relive the memory of... I don't know why I keep getting that surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's because that trauma that happened after we filmed the episode. Oh, I'm not supposed to mention that. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you keep pondering that while I say the next question. Mark Ruffalo, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling you that's not my last name. Yeah. Um, so the next question, who is Frank Tillman? This is the owner of the Double Deuce. Yes, that's right, Steve. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, another journeyman actor mostly tv mm-hmm. but also has a couple of parts in movies yeah. i didn't really recognize a ton of the other stuff yeah and he's a he's a face you've recognized yeah um without being able to like put a finger on where you've seen him yeah my guess is he was in bonanza only because i didn't <laughs> go through and write all of the people in this movie who were also in the show bonanza i know the farmer character was definitely in bonanza mm-hmm. um, a show i've never seen but ran for 200 seasons i think so probably everyone who was alive at that time was probably in I, that show i'm gonna guess he was on hee-haw oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm not co-signing that um instead i'm going to ask you guys the next question who is jimmy reno this is our main villain, our foil to Swayze. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. played by Marshall oh. Teague. Um, this was his breakout. So Scott Glenn was um, lined up to play this role. Um, he went on to do a number of movies after this, including Armageddon and The Rock were kind of a back-to-back like movies for him. He plays like kind of big roles in both of them. Um, and from what I understand was also a bad guy on Walker Dex's Ranger a couple of times. That so he wasn't the same sense. bad guy. He was like the <laughs> bad guy on Walker Dex's Ranger, different bad guys, different times, which I assume probably there's like three or four actors here who are also on Walker Texas Ranger. Did he do his own stunts? Because he had some of the best choreography. Like I wanted to watch him mm. fight yeah. more. In fact, mm. I think the big injury that Patrick Swayze got, I think it was a leg injury was filming the final fight between the two of them. Yeah. Where he mistakenly, and like both the actors from what, like again, what I read, Mm -hmm. and again, it's IMDb, so it's probably fake, um, have said he, um, and I don't even think this ended up in the movie, um, he picks up a log, and it was supposed to be a breakable log, but apparently it wasn't, and he brought it across Swayze, and it like... He, I think that was the big injury. I might be misremembering, but there was some sort of mistaken prop situation between them in a final fight, and I think that might have been when he suffered the main... But yeah, he is somebody who has, I believe, some prior military experience and 
was able to come on and kind of to the um, vision of the director pretty much do his own stunts with maybe some exceptions. I don't know for certain that they're all, but a lot of certainly a lot of the physicals. It was him swinging that pool cue around and stuff like (laughs) that on this scene that I'm sure we're all very excited to talk about. And that was when uh, Dr. Elizabeth comes up and says, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a stunt coordinator. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. Did you get to see the three-hour cut as well? (laughs) Am I the only one here who didn't get to see the three-hour cut? Release the silver cut. Yeah. (laughs) He's so weird in this movie. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. He really is a perfect foil to Swayze because you believe that he's got like a like a nega version of Swayze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is sort of where Swayze seems to have a sort of grasp on idea, uh, like higher ideas mm-hmm. of philosophy. He seems so base where he's like, all I want to do is kill people and, right. and yeah. I guess eat them or like <laughs> whatever it is he wants to do. He's the evil version of Swayze, but instead of having a beard or goatee, he has that uh, ear ring. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a warmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got it. I have a warmer too. <laughs> a evil counterpart. Anyway, um, the next question I have is, who is James Dalton? That is our Lord and Savior, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yep, Patrick Swayze at the height of his power. Just did Dirty Dancing. Um, weirdly, this movie really affected Swayze's career. It was not a hit, and the injuries he supposedly sustained from them caused him to turn down a number of films. So I actually do have a couple here. Predator 2. He was supposed to be the main guy in Predator 2. Oh. He was supposed to be, um, I think, Kurt Russell's role in Tango and Cash. Oh. Um, both roles that he turned down. Um, he also really cemented his look. And then right after this... Oh, he also did Next of Kin right after this, a movie Steve and I have watched that... Oh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty boring, but Liam Neeson pretends to be from Appalachia. And it's the whole time you're like, it's just like, you're like, can he pull it off? And the answer is pretty much no, but it's fun anyway. (laughs) Imagine a seven seven foot tall Irishman like enting over the movie. (laughs) Like, um, him and Patrick Swayze. And then, um, not brothers. Yeah. It's, it's, so so they play three brothers because that's what the next of kin are. So it's Patrick Swayze, Liam Neeson, and Bill Paxton. Playing Whoa. three guys oh, wow. from Appalachia. Do that, they? Do you remember if the specific state? Do they say? Because that could be PA. That could be Kentucky. I don't remember anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a like a pitch for like the the second. Um, not junior. What's the other one? Um, twins. 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 Yeah. Like mm. they always talk about making triplets <laughs> and adding like Eddie Murphy to the cast. It's like. <laughs> Just as outlandish to think that Patrick Swayze, Bill Paxton, and Liam Neeson are brothers. Bad casting. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that movie. It's Mm -hmm. bad, but I like like that. So right after this, he did Next of Kin. He did Ghost, and he did Point Break. And then he had 15 more years after this, and then he pretty much didn't have another hit. The only sort of, from a box office standpoint, a movie that really bubbled up to the surface is his role in Donnie Darko, which was sort of an indie oh, movie. I yeah, he, about that. he plays like, I, I think it's the case that he's a motivational yeah, speaker or something yeah. that come or like an invited speaker to the high school that mm. Jake Gyllenhaal's character yep. is at. Was um was Outsiders early 80s? Yeah, it was the before outsiders? this. Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. And it was before this. I was trying to think of the timeline. So I was thinking I about think... his other hits and I freaking Yeah, oh him. no, he, he, he again, 
tons bona fide movie star. Yeah. Pretty much, he was real young when he started like landing hits. Like he's not super old in Red Dawn, mm-hmm. and he he was kind of a blue chip up until this movie, and that's sort of why I mention it because um, he had already filmed Next of Kin. He would go on to film Ghost and Point Break, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of it. So it, it like um, this is a little bit of me. Sort of like, sort of like post facto looking over his career, but I'm not the only person who's made this comment. Where like, weirdly, this movie might have like derailed the last like 20 ish years that we got of Patrick Swayze. As much as I like this movie and I think yeah. it's important, and I wouldn't want to give it up. I think it's like a, a testament to how interesting of a like a character he can put on. Mm-hmm. But weirdly, this movie I think made a lot of people look at him a second time and because of the weird while again while he was um he had this dirty dancing juice he kind of had to like let it go because he was so injured after doing that movie and this movie and so he let his like that cool a little bit and then when he came back he only had a couple more hits in him yeah that's such a shame because he's Great. Like yeah, he's legitimately great. I just he's named. So I just. I've, yeah. We've already named like seven <laughs> movies mm-hmm. that I I like him a lot in. Yeah, and I, he plays different interesting roles. I mean, he's yeah. great in this movie. Yeah. Like you were yeah. saying, Bob, that no one else could do this. Like I truly think that's the case. Like this, he's it sort of be the same movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like a he's like a warrior monk type, and like mm-hmm. look at the other actors in the world. Mm-hmm. Who else could do this? Ooh. Like. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what do you mean? He would be suck. <laughs> he would suck in this movie. Like the only Ram- Rambo's kind of a warrior monk. The, no, he's Rock, not. Rocky's kind no, of a warrior. No, he's famously yeah. dis- like like very traumatized. Like the, the, on- the character from nope. Demolition Man, nope. sort of a nope, warrior no, no, no. monk. So the only the only person that really comes to mind is someone who can play this type and consistently plays this type is is Chuck Norris. And I hate him. <laughs> like, I think he's awful. But, like, this is what Walker, say... Texas Ranger is. It's like, oh, okay. oh let me come yeah. in. No, I'm it's... a fighter, but I have the moral high ground. Mm-hmm. Like, I know how to stay cool. Yeah, it's this, always this, like yeah. someone is like being insane. The walks, in the front walks of softly and carry a big yeah, stick. Right, and, right. and uh, yeah, the only interesting stuff is that the other person who's against him is mm-hmm. so evil that yeah. it, like. I, the yeah. difference is. He sucks. <laughs> like again, no offense if you're listening, Chuck Norris. Like more power to you. I love Walker Texas Ranger is great, but your politics are bad. <laughs> but like Patrick Swayze kills this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do have one person that probably would have done this very mm-hmm. well, Harrison Ford. Oh, okay. I, I think could... Harrison Ford. You think Harrison Ford would be able to do those, like all those stunts? Well, no. So no, no, Harrison, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. I yeah. was thinking someone who's like a warrior 89. monk or can do that kind of character. I don't think he'd be good in this movie, but I was thinking along the lines of Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I was that thinking he's very, He can have the yeah. zen and the warrior thing at the yeah. same time. Keanu Reeves Keanu would have been today. 14 yeah. when this yeah. was. I was going to say, not for yeah. this movie, yeah. but thinking about that type of character, I could see him doing something like that. Harrison 
Ford could slot into this movie, but it is a different movie. It's so because he's yeah, so yeah. put upon. Like yeah. he's so like yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like he'd don't look at here. the he'd look at the other bar like yeah. the bartenders and the other bouncers and be like, these people are shit people. Yeah. I'm better than these yeah. people. Yeah. He'd be like, fuck that shit. I'm out of yeah, here. Right. Yeah. Right. He would yeah. like he would oh, light up a joint and get into a single prop plane and fly. Like the the choices that. Patrick Swayze makes when he's cutting people out of the bar are all incredibly calculated like this. And I can't believe this hasn't come up yet, but this movie has the same cadence as an episode of bar rescue. Yeah. Like the exact same cadence where it's like John Tapper could have played this role probably. Yeah. Um, So we haven't gone through a lot of them yet. We still haven't done a, a Charles Bronson movie, but the, the Harrison Ford is a great example because he is one of these guys who sort of straddles like Jean, like sort of generations, and Swayze in a weird way sort of does too. Mm-hmm. So you have those guys like Ford and Bronson and some of these older like action heroes in the old mold of action who were stand and deliver. Guy Clint Eastwood is sort of like this, where you could kind yeah. of believe yeah. him being very like down the middle. Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. I just saw Bullet for the first time this past week, and it's awesome it's so good i totally get why an entire genre of films was created because bullet exists um they're remaking it oh yeah with yeah who? with who uh i'm not sure but they're remaking roadhouse as yeah well. they're remaking roadhouse sure we'll talk we can talk about that later yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's i i've got mixed feelings about it jake, yeah. just just so you know it's jake gyllenhaal jake yeah and they, jake gyllenhaal. they've already yeah oh, yeah oh. exactly donnie yeah. darko okay. himself yeah yeah i don't like him i just don't know if i can picture him i don't yeah he's a weird choice they've already filmed um like sort of b-roll at an mma fight where he like went in and like hung out or like was doing Doing like stuff oh, at a crowd. Familiar, yeah. yeah it, again, that was like a year or two ago or something. Like, Why redo Roadhouse? Yeah, know. it's a. It is a weird choice for a movie to redo because this do movie is. New. Yeah, <laughs> you, I. I hope Keith David's in it. Yeah, he could still be in it. You know yeah. what? I bet it'll look great in yeah. this movie too, yeah. despite it being however many decades later. Swayze does sort of straddle this line where he is. Somebody like a Harrison Ford who could pull off this idea of somebody who's very calculating and very capable, but he's also somebody who can kick. Like he can put his he can put yeah. his hip out and yeah. kick. Yeah. And weirdly, we sort of when there's a lot of these differences between um, sort of generations of Hollywood, there are a couple of people because you have somebody like a Van Damme. Or a Norris, who is very f- capable from a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. but doesn't have the acting chops. Right. And you have somebody who, like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, who have a like a terrible amount of charisma, absolutely, and are able to land very specific roles that like slot into what they're able to do, mm-hmm. but they can't necessarily convince you of a certain type of competency Mm -hmm. and so yeah having somebody who is kind of like like light like Swayze is somebody who is like he he can do he can kind of talk the talk and walk the walk yeah Mm -hmm. and so yeah we're we were very blessed to have him I think Kurt Russell would have been okay in this movie (laughs) oh maybe he's a little too old yes yeah because Dalton sort of comes across as a guy who's getting his first big break in the cooler world (laughs) you're absolutely that was sort of who I was getting up to when I mentioned the Harrison Ford then I mentioned the Stallone Kurt Russell 
doesn't quite have the he's not light enough he's not he's, this character yeah he's yeah. more he's close straight up i think he's a lot of a hair he's more yeah. he's more harrison ford in this absolutely yeah. than he is like um Cur- yeah it is it is interesting he's that, like a little low status like because yeah. he he in his mind he's still second fiddle to to sam Someone, elliott yeah. but mm-hmm. like <laughs> whose name we might not have said yet yeah. in this competition <laughs> <laughs> the next name that i have here is wade garrett <laughs> <laughs> that's sam elliott damn it yeah yeah sam elliott you might know him from being sam elliott since like before and since then <laughs> he's so good in this, this movie. is an insane performance i love him so he's much in this so movie. good mm-hmm <laughs> So I um, actually, I again, I didn't talk about Sam Elliott's other credits because um, the Do you next have time. <laughs> well, of course, we don't have time. Yeah, he has a very long and storied career. But one of my favorite movies that involves Sam Elliott is The Big Lebowski. Yes, mm-hmm, and sure. Sam Elliott is not the only person in this movie who's also in The Big Lebowski. Who else, other than Sam Elliott, who else in this movie was in The Big Lebowski? Is it Flea? Flea is not in this movie. He uh, is in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> that's that's a bad guess. Yeah, it was a bad guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I I will guess. I want to guess the prospector guy, but I feel like you would have said that before. Well, unless you knew you were going to ask the question. I guess it's not the prospector. <laughs> I don't have another guess. Um. Thank you for like um, considering that I might have thought about these questions ahead of time. Um, no, it's not okay. the yeah the uh, sunshine. I can't think of his last name. Yeah, yeah. man, I'm tr- I'm going through like all these characters in the Big Lebowski because there's mm-hmm. so many people in yeah. the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, a movie that sort of like hits casting, like hits the sort of high notes of casting the mm-hmm. way this movie does. And I know all of you guys are, if you can picture in the Big Lebowski, like all the people, I'm gonna, you're gonna be like, ah, when I say this. I know for certain that Steve Buscemi is not in Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. Again, I know th- John Goodman sure is not in Roadhouse. It's somebody, because we're near the end of the list, so this is much of a hint. It's somebody we've mentioned already. Oh, so. well, okay. I was. Okay. Um, I'll guess. Is it the Tillman guy, Frank Tillman? They get the character. No. Okay, I don't know the actor's name, but can I take another guess? Sure. It, is it Keith David? It's not Keith David. Oh, okay. Yeah, then Good I guess. truly yeah. don't know. Not on this list that I just mentioned, but <laughs> okay. um, Ben Gazzara uh, is oh. in The Big Lebowski. He plays Jackie Treehorn. Oh, I was who is that? Who is that one? Yeah. I think he's technically he's like a porn. Yeah, it's so good. He's the one. He's one of the people who offers him a right white Russian. He's like a porn producer. I think uh-huh. okay. the the one line I wrote down. People forget that the brain is the biggest androgynous zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's that dude. It's like he's out, he's out by the pool and everything. Yeah, there's there's, yeah. there's that great joke where he's writing something on a pad and then he leaves the room and he takes yes. the note. And then um, Jeff Bridges walks over and he does the thing where he rubs the pencil against it and it's just a big penis. Yeah, it's a penis <laughs> drawing. <laughs> and he looks and he's like, huh? <laughs> so good. Would you believe that that's the last question I have for cast? So that was the whole no. cast. <laughs> well, that was the whole cast that I was going to ask about. So, um, so we can get into the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Uh, so the first question, um, did anybody catch the name of the first club we cut to? Bandstand. Yep, it's the Bandstand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frank Tillman arrives at the Bandstand. I was confused because I thought, like, it wasn't on the awning. It was big on the side of the building. I was like, oh, this is a bar with a bandstand. Yeah. <laughs> and then later he's like, I went to the bandstand. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's the, the first shot, the too, yeah. is like the camera going down. So mm-hmm. I was trying to pay attention, think this could be a question. And I see right. bands. I'm like, okay, they have a live band. No, there's an S. There's a T. Wait, what? And they just keep like going down. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. stand, bandstand. Okay. It's a sexy building. <laughs> I'm like, band, bands, bandsta? Yeah. This movie does a lot of like panning or tilting across neon signs. <laughs> Again, the neon sign, you don't have to sign a waiver for it or anything. It doesn't uh, yeah. Have, yeah. When in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. So we now we get our first um, glimpses at Dalton. And um, Trouble just seems to find this guy. The first of what will be a parade of barroom jerks is harassing some woman here at the bandstand. And Dalton tells him to leave. But the guy cuts his arm. And they take they take this outside. Um, he gets the two guys to go outside, thinking that under the auspices that they'll fight Dalton. And um, Swayze walks back into the club, and they yell insults at him. First is hotshot, then dirt ball, then dickhead, and then moose lips. <laughs> I yeah, I tried to make moose lips into a question, and I'm like, well, I just want to. Let oh. it be. I wanted to just be on the record here that the word moose lips comes up in the movie Roadhouse. Yeah, it and does in as, all good movies. And as you know, moose the lips sink ships. Record. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, of nice. course, we, of course, we are the podcast of record, so <laughs> it was very important to me that yeah. the word moose lips came comes up like five or six times in the transcript of this podcast. Yeah, we watched the movie The Pope's Exorcist recently with <laughs> Russell Crowe and. The opening scene, the cold open of that movie, is incredibly similar to this scene. Weirdly, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I, 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 somebody who likes to make weird comparisons to <laughs> movies, that sort of is the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Except instead of a weirdo at a bar, it's like a demon from hell. That's it's a, really- yeah. It's a fake demon. There's no real demon, but he's like that stabs him. Yeah, he makes the demon jump into a pig, and then he shoots the pig. It's like same thing. You make the guys go outside, and then you just close that door. I had a reason that I agreed with Steve that it was more like this movie, (laughs) but that's different than what I had agreed with. It's very similar. How does John the Baptist work into this? Well, no. No tangents. (laughs) So so these two jerks continue to yell at him as he goes in, and they comment on the other bouncers that are blocking it off, and they say... um, what are these guys, the seven dwarves? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask each of you, how many bouncers are standing on in, in front of the door? Because I will say this, it's not seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to guess four. I remember that seven dwarf comment. I'm going to say it was five. I think there's more than seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go eight. There were six bouncers. <sighs> I did think it felt like that bar had hired a lot of people to yeah. work there. It was yeah. a normal amount of people. So he patches himself up in the office. I don't know if it's his office. Um, and then um, Tillman comes in. Um, so next, um, he pitches him on his bar. And so for the next question, 
I need you to name his bar and name the location that he says. Uh, okay, so his, the bar's name is the Double Deuce, and you want where it is or you want what he says? Probably either. Okay, so I think so. I think it is in Jasper, Missouri, but he says it's outside of Kansas City, I think. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. So here's the thing. He does say Jasper, and he does say can well um they do say Jasper and they he says just outside of Kansas City. So during the filming of this, they in from what I remember reading, they insisted that Jasper wasn't a real place. There is a Jasper and it is right outside of Kansas City. So I don't know if they wanted to pick a fake town outside of Kansas City. I don't know why they chose a town that is a real town near <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> But yeah, they both, they try to really have it both ways because they absolutely later say, they don't say Jasper in this scene, but they say right outside of Kansas City. And um, yeah, a bunch of stuff says like, yeah, it's not a real town. And it's like, well, there is a real Jasper, Mississippi, uh, Missouri, and it is not too far from Kansas City. So you got that one right. Let's go there. What, right now? Road mm-hmm. trip. Yeah, road, yeah. Um, road trip to the roadhouse. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if it's actually there. I don't want to, I mean, see. yeah. Let's this, see what the town's really like. I, keep, I saw it in the movie. I keep trying, <laughs> this isn't a documentary. This was, yeah, Patrick Swayze is an actor. We just talked about it for a long time. <laughs> so the next question is the first of several times where I ask you to finish the line. Mm. So Frank uh, Tillman says, it used to be a sweet deal. Now it's the kind of place where... It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> no, that's a bad guess, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I kind of remember. This. Oh, I know it. It's like <laughs> he says something to the effect of like, "Now it's a place. It's a place where you have to like sweep up the people in the morning or something. Something about sweeping up people." I'm know. gonna give that to you. Oh, well, what's the, no? What does Steve okay, well, let's say? see what Steve. Okay, <laughs> it's the type of place where you have to sweep up the eyeballs every night. Oh, yep. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he says, it used to be a sweet deal. Now it's the kind of place where they sweep up the eyeballs after closing. Um, So he asks, he's like, I need the best. Wade Garrett's the best. And then he says, Wade Garrett is getting old. And if this was filmed around 1988, which I'm pretty sure it was, Elliot would have been about 44 at that time. He was Mm -hmm. born in 1944. looks great. Swayze would have been 36. He was born in 52, so they're eight years apart. So he wouldn't be that much older. No, he wouldn't be that much older. <laughs> so, cool. but, but luckily for him, Sam Elliott looks much older than yeah. Patrick yeah. Swayze. He kept the gray in his hair. Yeah. Cooling is a young man's job. I guess so. How old are you, Jill Cooler? 40. <laughs> oh okay it's yeah the, okay. the way he said 40 i thought there would be another thing but wow no he was... i'm at the end of my rope yeah that's why i'm here and not at a bar yeah and now i'm gonna dance yeah. well we've got the, we've got that to look forward to in like seven years i um i can really relate to sam elliott as someone who's Hair went gray incredibly young. Yeah. <laughs> I can really relate to Patrick Swayze as someone who's 36. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got eight years to get your cooling career off the ground, Bob, because otherwise you're getting old. Um, I can't relate to anyone in this movie. Yeah. There's some... What about the doctor? What about yeah. the prospector? <laughs> no. Well, golly. No. 
Um, so the next question I have here is, in order for Dalton to um, agree to this job, he has some terms. What are Dalton's terms? Um, he wants $5,000 up front and then $500 a night. Uh, one more thing? He also wants him to pay for his cost to get out there. Uh, he wants to pay for his room and board. <laughs> Knock he wants out. to pay for his... <laughs> um, It's weird because it's like a three-part <laughs> question, but there's a third thing. Well, you want to finish it? Yeah, I know Bob wouldn't. I'm not gonna Oh, no, I'm sorry. It, He's <laughs> the, you're next. Yeah, I mean, he wants him to pay his medical bills. Yeah, oh, I think yeah. that I think that was enough, so I'll give it to Steve. But yeah, yeah, five thousand up front, five thousand a night, and to pay for medical expenses. Wow, five hundred a night. Two points on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> five thousand up front, five hundred a night, and pay for all medical expenses. Mm-hmm. Plus, he runs the job completely, and when the job's done, he walks. Mm-hmm. We're sort of yeah. the two additional yeah. things, but I didn't think those were like part of the terms. Because he found his own way to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then the bandstand's owner, I guess, like walks in. Uh, his name's Oscar. Um, he comes to see how Dalton is doing. Dalton quits on him, which is uncool, I think. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. weeks notice, man. Yeah. And then so the next um, one, um, the so Frank Tillman then leaves, having gotten his cooler. He said he leaves with a line. That is said a couple of more times. Can anybody tell me what line it is? Oh. It's a line that's called back to. I thought you'd be bigger. Yep. Yeah. He says, for the first of several times, you know, I thought you'd be bigger. IMDb says Swayze is five foot ten. I don't know how much bigger. That's that's not a short like person necessarily. When they said bigger, I thought they meant like muscle. Yeah. yeah. Especially the other bouncer yeah. we see later on at the double deuce is just like a big, muscly, mm-hmm. broad shouldered guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Swayze, mm, he's got muscles. It's they're not not there, but I think they're saying that they thought someone be yeah. tougher right. looking. And like a I mean a bouncer, the main thing is you're a deterrent. Yeah, I guess so. Supposed yeah. To look intimidating. Yeah. yeah. You want to be like a mountain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, I thought you'd be dirtier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Tillman obviously hasn't seen the scene where he's like ass, like we see his butt because there's <laughs> there's nothing to complain about there. You know who'd make a great cooler, Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Cut my this joke. This gold, Batman. Yeah, yeah but then also, yeah, I was about to say there's the Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to put, put you I, on ice. Yeah. yeah. You boys better cool it. Man, two weeks in a row, I still can't do an Arnold impression. <laughs> we actually are at the end of the first oh, round. Yeah. <laughs> under, we're under the two-hour mark, and we're at the end of the first round. So, Mo, you okay. want to read the scores, please? This is a close one, guys. I think we all love Roadhouse. Uh, in third place is me with five points, and tied for first right now is Steve and Bob with six. Ooh. It's a very close game. Yeah, very close, close game. game. Um, Anything can happen. Yeah. So now he's no longer works for the bandstand. He works for the Double Deuce. So he drives his um, car to a garage where he gives the keys to one of the two people of color in this movie, the other being Keith David, whose part was almost entirely cut out, as we kind of talked about before. Um, The next question I have, can anyone tell me the make of the car and the state license plates? Which one? The new one? Of his of his like car, not oh. the the one that like is the special car that he drives. He also drives it to the double deuce because he's giving away his 
old cooler car right. from the bandstand. He's getting out his signature car that he will drive to the double deuce, but he will then abandon or like he'll then hide that one as well. Right. So the question is about the car he drives to the double deuce. The car that he drives to the double deuce. Yes, right. because that's his like special car. That's his like main car that he hides most of the time. Um, I think it is a Mercedes. And what and are the plates? I, don't, I do not know this, the, the plates, so I'll take a guess. I think the plates are um, Ohio. Um, no, that's not correct. I'm n- not saying that both of those say, were okay, correct, okay, okay. but does someone else have a guess? I'm, I'm not a car guy. Mm-hmm. And that I can't drive, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I don't know much about cars. Mm-hmm. It's the one with the. It's got that logo with the pointy guy. <laughs> um, Biden buzz in. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, if if no one has any guesses, so it's a Mercedes with New York State plates. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. okay. Um, when he pulls up to the double deuce in the next shot, because it kind of goes from wherever the bandstand is, somewhere in America, presumably, because we don't see him cross any oceans. Um, he pulls up to the double deuce in his Mercedes and is harassed by some of the bikers who yell, what's wrong with a Detroit car? That's the only oh, part I remember. Yes, yes. Yeah, so Mercedes, a, a foreign car, make yeah. of a car. And then mm-hmm. New York, and we'll find out, and we'll find out later why New York is such a big deal. So inside, we see the dilapidated state of the double deuce. We have people fighting at the pool table. We have throwing bottles at the band, bouncers ignoring fights, and flirting with patrons, and then also um, staff dealing drugs. And then uh, this is just a not a question, um, an actual question, but just a question of the group. Why are there any women at this bar? Yeah, Great question. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Kansas City is a great town. I've been. To, I've only been to it once, but um, I can't speak to it. Obviously, in the late '80s, um, but it seems like a dangerous place to be a woman. Like it doesn't seem like a That's... place you go with your girlfriends in your cocktail dresses, but we see groups of women in cocktail dresses at That's, this bar. That's the world, mm-hmm. Mark. The world's yeah. a dangerous place to be a woman. <laughs> yeah, but this seems more so. Like if you have to stack rank <laughs> places to be a woman, this, this is a more dangerous place. The movie is a dangerous place yeah. to be a woman for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Honestly, there was times where I felt really like happy how much attention they were putting on their bouncers like they would hire like that place in new york hired at least six guys to be bouncers like i've been harassed at clubs before or bars and no one's done shit about it so it's like if someone's constantly looking out for women in those bars i love that fair enough yeah. well, that's the dalton difference there's yeah. a lot of attention being put to like yeah before it gets to the violence point like they have eyes on it if a woman is just being harassed yeah but it's clear that these patron I and mean, these bouncers before dalton comes in isn't are not like um no. stopping people yeah so um we now meet morgan one of the characters who i didn't um want to include in the questions at the beginning he's played by terry funk um good buddies with sly stallone mm-hmm. and was featured in a few of his movies and is credited as the um uh, the fight choreographer at the end of the Rocky Five, where he fights that one guy not in a f- boxing the, ring. The best Rocky movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one I haven't seen. Yeah, actually. it's the worst Rocky movie by a yeah. long stretch. That's the only one I haven't it's not seen. Even close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he clumsily dispatches one of the many sex pests in the Double Deuce, mm-hmm. and we also meet Carrie Ann, who we talked about earlier, who has heard of Dalton. Um, this world imagines a bouncer circuit where other people have <laughs> yeah. heard of bouncers by reputation. 
I yeah, I don't Again, know what that I would, means. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they had trading cards. Mm-hmm. I have, so yeah. popular. This, this gets into the thing I said earlier about this being an anime. Like it really is like the like the basketball anime where only people like basketball. This is the cooler anime where mm-hmm. only people know about coolers. Yeah. And I get that like he's he's talked about traveling around. He hasn't been in one place for a long time, but like the fact that word gets around to this tiny town yeah. about mm-hmm. not even just a bouncer, a cooler named Dalton, like yeah, it really is like this is the world they live in. Mm-hmm. And also, like bar fights presumably happen every night in this world. Yeah. So one person stopping one bar fight doesn't seem like important news to anybody, or at least it doesn't <laughs> seem like it to to me from this. So yeah, Frank Tillman does some modifications to some graffiti on the wall of his bar and changes the phrase for a great fuck to a great Buick, but. It doesn't seem to be the same color marker, so it doesn't no, really yeah. work. It's very obviously two very different colored markers. See this is the one old word. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of the best jokes in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. Like I, I'm impressed by this joke every time I yeah. see it. For some reason, I kind of am too. It's yeah. not really my type of humor, but mm-hmm. it does sort of work. And again, it's it's like the Jeff Healy band is playing over all this, and we're doing a lot of showing and not telling, where we see all the different stuff happening. And it works because you get the both on the two-handed where he seems as the owner of this double deuce, like kind of incapable of, of changing a ton of stuff. But like in this little way, he seems to be sort of trying to make the bar a little bit better. It's such a because, again, what <laughs> you would cute. what you would do if you were an actual proprietor you would have somebody clean off all of the graffiti. <laughs> like if it was written in marker, you could get alcohol and just wipe off the marker. You would ask your bouncers not to throw people onto tables and yeah. break them yeah. when they are like, you know, breaking up So much fights. property damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we have is Dalton and Cody meeting. And um, he says, you play pretty good for a blind white boy. And then he responds, yeah, I thought you'd be bigger. And so is it a runner? We'll find out in a later <laughs> question. Um, he also mentioned hearing Dalton was coming to town from whom? Who would he, who would have told him? No, not, not I'm sorry, that wasn't a question. No. Oh, who, who would have told him that Dalton is coming to town? Sorry, I thought an owl got into the studio. Who, who, who would have told him? Yeah, there's another scene later in the movie where he's like, the rumor is you're dating like yeah. Brad. Brad is like, 50 to 60 years older than Kelly Lynch in this yeah. movie. So like, I have that know. information, not in the form of a question. Okay, so we'll get great. into it. Kelly yeah. has all the gossip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah spe- he's really gotten near to the wall. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of gossip, we then get a montage of other bouncers gossiping about Dalton. Like, Oh, that's Dalton. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I heard like, blah, 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 blah. Um, so the next question I have, and I'll remember to ask this in the form of a question. What starts the brawl that wraps up the night? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So this is where the yep. one man, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> the one man calls over the other woman and he invites him for $20 to touch the breasts of the woman that he's with. The man proceeds to fondle her vehemently mm-hmm. for a long time very long um it's specifically they want to kiss the breasts and he's like why aren't you kissing them and he says i ain't got 20 dollars." 
And then the first man punches him in the face. Mm-hmm. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I have it written here. I mainly wanted to make one of you describe that scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yep, I, that was right. I, I feel like this was one of the moments that I could think back to of why, like, like Roger Ebert would be like, this is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. is because that's the camp in mm. this movie, is this kind of a scene. And it is ridiculous. And the guy's real goofy. He's like, I ain't got $20. Yeah, like, yeah. It is really goofy and campy. But people keep talking about this movie as being campy. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of that, and like there's a few other moments that are like that, like I actually don't think it's all that campy. You know, I, I don't know. I Maybe I'm in the minority here. No, no, I yeah. agree. And again, it gets to the this point where it's like, I think... There are movies that are so bad that it's good. I don't think that that applies to this movie. I think it's I just think so I think it's just regular mm-hmm. good. Yeah. That scene to me was like I just pictured this writers room of men dying yeah. laugh yeah. as they describe this. Oh my god, they just thought it was the funniest thing right. in the world and they're all just like put it in, put it in, put it in. Like they were so <laughs> excited about this scene. It was like, "I don't got $20." And yeah. it was like a riot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like a throwback to like the 70s style of boob comedy. Yeah. Like it, I mentioned earlier that this came out in the late 80s. It was like the end of sexuality in movies. <laughs> it's wild to think what like Gen Z would think about a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, not only time. I. the next thing I have written, I also say this is a throwback to the 70s, but not in the exact way. This is a lot of slapsticky sort of stunt performance. Mm-hmm. It, that's a throwback to the 70s. The actor and like slash stuntman that I really think of, especially in this fight, is Burt Reynolds. Like, this to me feels like um, a Smokey and the Bandit, or more specifically the movie Hooper, which is a great movie that Burt Reynolds stars in, basically playing a fictionalized version of himself, a stuntman, who at this point, that point, he had become a bona fide movie star, but he was a 70s stunt performer. And so we have a lot of sort of slapstick, lighthearted, people breaking, obviously breakable glass over each other, people throwing each other into like wooden furniture that's supposed to break and stuff like that. So a lot of what in real life would be high stake violence that's like kind of played in a lighthearted way. Um, So then Dalton has surveyed the double deuce and he realizes what he's dealing with. He agrees to take the job. So then we cut to the next day and the next question I have is Dalton goes to an auto dealer. Does anybody remember the name of the auto dealer? Um, I just remember it was like auto T in parentheses, like auto T shop. Yeah. Auto big T auto T-Auto. sales. Yeah. And um, presumably Mr. T himself comes out and um, the fool. yeah, he comes to because um, he sees Dalton looking at the car Dalton seems to really like this one car. For my next question, does anybody remember what the feature that he seems to really like about the car is? Yeah, it has uh, covers over the headlights, which I think is cool. It makes a lot of sense. He doesn't want them to get broken, so Mm -hmm. it's got a cover over it. Yeah, there's um, somebody on IMDb wrote a long post describing that specifically only one model of that particular car had those headlight covers and it was the same it's like a different car when he's at the 
the first one and he seems to find the same model of that car or something like that cool save those those fun facts for my cousin Vinny. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I find that helpful (laughs) (laughs) i if 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 he knew how to use reddit i'm sure that would have been my father Uh, (laughs) (laughs) my Yeah. yeah Your father, my uncle Bob, yeah. is, is a is a quite a car lover. Yeah, yeah. no, no, sorry. Like he would have been, he would have immediately recognized oh, yeah. every car in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it, it does. It is like just like all the actors in this movie. The cars have a lot of interesting personality, yeah. and even the fact that he sort of um, keeps his main car, the Mercedes mm-hmm. car from that he had back when he was in New York, like hidden. And then brings out these sort of beater cars when he's like a bouncer. It really tells a story in a weird way. It Mm -hmm. really, this movie, there's very few scenes that I'm like, you could totally get rid of that scene. Like like everything sort of tells a story either through dialogue or through action. Yeah, this is a movie about a guy who's really good at his job. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like nice. Like there's a lot of movies that are like this where it's like, oh, here's a guy who's got a peculiar, like hyper-specific job. He's really good at it. Like let's learn what makes him good. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's not seven feet tall though. No. (laughs) Um, And these are the kind of details that I think make the first the first two acts of this movie a very good movie. mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's exactly like this. It's there are so many details like this that, like you said, show how mm-hmm. good he is at his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of showing and not telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's not explained to you up front either. Right. You mm-hmm. see him trade in the car yeah. and you're like, what is he doing? Right. Like he gives the car away to a guy who happens to be sitting there. And you're like, why is he doing that? And then it it really makes sense yeah. later in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So going back to the film, so for my next question what does he do immediately after he buys the car? He goes to another place of work of like business. Um, is this when he goes to um, Emmett's farm to rent the room? Um, no, there's one thing he does right before this, and it also um, well, yeah. So he goes to like a junkyard and he's grabbing all the a bunch of tires yep. and he's putting them in the trunk. He fills his trunk yeah. with spare tires. And going back to what you said, Steve, you don't really realize exactly why he's doing it, but then it makes total sense when later we find out they're slashing his tires. Like every night, he just bought a bunch of cheap beater tires to like he can get rid of the old ones and just mm-hmm. fill. He's got his trunk full of new tires. Yeah, he only really has to ride on them once. To yeah, the, yeah. To even the if bar, yeah. even if they're bad, it doesn't matter because they only need to take him so far. Uh, you know, I, he would probably save money by just getting a taxi every day. <laughs> yeah, if only yeah. Existed How many taxis are coming to Jasper, Missouri? <laughs> I yeah. bet there's a taxi driver in town. Yeah, you could probably hire someone. Yeah, personal. Um, so he next goes to, um, you kind of mentioned this, Mo, he next goes to Santa's farm where he is shown possibly the coolest loft apartment I've ever seen. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great apartment. Yeah. And we also meet the bad guy doing flybys over Emmett's farm Mm -hmm. for, for, as you do, for, it doesn't seem clear to me why he's doing that. Because is he taking from Emmett? He's one of the four business owners in Jasper, <laughs> but he likes to like do the flybys and stuff like that. I think it's just fun. No. Yeah, I, I hold my earlier comment. He's a villain from an episode of the A-Team. Like mm-hmm. He just does things to be evil, and then you need someone to come in town and show and mm-hmm. like let the town go free, and the town will pay for uh, for the A-Team mm-hmm. to come save everything. I was waiting for that black band to like uh, ride through throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. 
So I've got a couple of questions about this scene because everything that Emmett says or does is gold. So another like um, question, finish this line that Emmett says. Calling me sir is like... I, I was over <laughs> in my buzzing. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to pass. Okay. Okay. It's like putting an elevator in an outhouse. It doesn't don't make no sense. Yep. Calling mm. me sir is like putting an elevator in an outhouse. Damn. It don't make sense. I didn't remember it until after Bob couldn't get it. And then <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I know this. And mm-hmm. then I was like, no, now I don't know. He's it, great. Yeah, I love yeah. him. <laughs> so, yeah. so despite being in 2023, probably one of the most sought-after Airbnbs on Earth, yes. um, Emmett can't seem to find anybody to rent this beautiful mm-hmm. place. Can, for my next question, can anybody li- name the list of reasons he says that they won't um, like n- name it or won't rent this this place? Oh, I remember like one. Um, well, we can but see he what do, you he got. does say a couple. He says, um, I think it's too far out. There's no TV. Um, is there no running water? I don't know. I really say there's no TV. That's the one I'm positive about. So there's a couple. One of them is no TV. Okay. You want to keep going? Yeah, there's no air conditioning. Um, there's, it smells. Um, the, there's like the smells of nature out there. There's no air conditioning. Um, uh, you said AC twice, but there was one more. There's no AC. Yeah. <laughs> of that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and you would be right. Uh, the horses are loud. So, um, not quite. Okay. So, you got more. I'll give it to you, Steve. Oh, but great. yeah. Thank you. He says, no phone or television or AC or tolerance for the fragrance of nature. Mm-hmm, so yeah. he says no phone, no TV, phone. AC, mm-hmm. and it smells like like a barn. I almost yeah. said no internet, and I'm like, no. <laughs> but no phone would have made more sense if I had said that Yeah, instead. Well, it's true. They did. There was no internet. There's no internet out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's no way to watch your Patrick Swayze movie. There's no way to listen to your obscure three-hour podcast about movies. Um so the next question I have, because Swayze looks at the place and he says, um, he'll take it. How much does um, Emmett charge? I think it was $100 a month. Yep, $100 a month. And he makes a big deal of that being a lot for Swayze, but he gets $500 a night. A night? Yeah, and it is a real standoff, like as if Swayze is like not sure if he's going to take it or whatever. Again, $100 a month is not bad for a beautiful lofted like a apartment. Hundred dollars is great, even though he was like offering to like have it for nothing too. I think he just wanted to have someone live with him. Yeah, if if I don't charge something, the Presbyterians are likely to pay for my ruination, which I believe is implying that the church will think if he's ru- it will be running a brothel if he doesn't charge. Mm-hmm. Is I think that's what he's okay. kind of implying that if a young attractive man is living on his property and he's not charging for it, then the church will think that he's 
I guess, sleeping with that man. It's a lot of work it asked the audience to do. To explain I thought that maybe one. it was like a Protestant work ethic thing. Like maybe, I don't yeah, know. yeah. That was that was what I got from it. But <laughs> it could be again, either one of those. Yeah, because I, I'm, I, the definitely what I just read is straight up from the. So it's yeah. like if I don't charge, the Protestants will pay mm-hmm. pay for my ruination. Good line. I thought yeah. it was a good line. Very yeah. colorful. I don't know what it means, but it is yeah. a good line. Yeah. yeah. Well, Swayze says something like. Well, we'll make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm happy to pay you. Yeah, it is sort of like he's reacting mm-hmm. to whatever. He's, Emmett he's is like saying. likes yeah. it. He's yeah. into it. He's yeah. like, oh, I vibe with Emmett, even though he's a cartoon character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's renting it from a character who must own Sylvester and Tweety or something like that <laughs> at the beginning of a of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Swayze's ah. a good judge of character. He finds all the good ones. <laughs> Did you have something to say cooler? I wish Emmett was my landlord. <laughs> yeah. Instead your landlord is prune. Yeah. <laughs> Instead you're living in the rafters of the studio. <laughs> yeah, when you took this job, you agreed to live in the rafters. I uh, keep falling down. Yeah. There There's no rafters. We, we only have a pod- <laughs> It's been drywalled over. Yeah. We only have a podcast once every 2 weeks and you're just here all the time. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Any. My family misses me. <laughs> so the movie Roadhouse. Um, we have um, the meeting unveiling the new double deuce and the new cooler. For my next question, um, we kind of um, address this a little bit in the cold opening. Um, at this meeting, who does he fire? So I can tell I can tell you this. Um, there's two people that he fires in um at this first meeting okay he lets go of the one bouncer i think his name was like morgan who he said you don't have the right uh disposition for this job and then the he, right temperament, right but temperament. Yes. Mm-hmm. and then he also fires the uh bartender who was selling drugs he yep. said uh we sell drinks here not drugs mm-hmm. yep you got him right yeah morgan um do drinks not drugs yeah for his temperament and he asked what am i supposed to do and he says there's always barber college mm-hmm. which is a good line, but I don't know why. And <laughs> then, like yeah, school. <laughs> yeah, and then the female wait staff who unnamed, is, yeah, unnamed, who's yeah, selling Morgan drugs. Gets a yeah. Name. yeah, and then at one point um, in this, um, he also says, "Far too many troublemakers, too many forty-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry." Oh yeah, which That's is what they say on their sign when you enter Jasper, right? Yeah, Welcome to our town. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was too good of a line not to include in the podcast. Didn't have a question for it. So, but I do have a question for this. Can somebody tell me the three simple rules Dalton has? Okay. We talked about this earlier. (laughs) One of them is definitely take it outside. When don't start a fight in the bar, take it outside. And the last one is be nice. The first one which I could not remember during the cold open. Despite Maureen <laughs> reading them out to you. Yes. <laughs> and um, remembering them now. Yeah. Is it? Is it always have each other's back? No. Drat, drat. Yeah. Um, it's don't underestimate your opponent. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Never underestimate your opponent. Take it outside and be nice. Should we both which get a is point for that or just fa- Steve? Yep. Steve. Uh, you got it. Oh, do I get all? Yeah, well, just, I don't care. Give each other one point. Uh, yeah. You have to choose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this, this is too much two. power. No. no. Um, Steve got two of them. So. Yep. Never underestimate your opponent. Take it outside 
and be nice. Famously, the motto of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have to I the never f- underestimate my opponents. Yeah. Um, side eye. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? That means nothing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think it means like when you're getting to a fight with someone at the bar, it's like just because they're they might be small, don't underestimate them or don't yeah. like they could always pull out a knife or a gun out of or their something. boot or like, something. I don't I think you got it. But that's like just fight better. That's mm-hmm. like like very close to fight better. Like always be fighting better. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A B F B. Yes, <laughs> I don't, it made sense to me, and it fits right with Swayze's character because he is the kind of person he like keeps his cool, and he doesn't like think that somebody who's making trouble is going to be like no big deal or something. Like he treats mm-hmm. everything seriously, which I think is more of the rule. It's like don't like don't yeah, get a big head if, yeah, if they're yeah, coming exactly. at you with violence. Like you have to take them at their yeah. word. Like mm-hmm. it's not a situation where like oh I'm much bigger than them or like oh I'm much more I'm much yeah. stronger than them. You yeah. have to assume that so they'll fight sense. dirty or something. Yeah, like, yeah, take it seriously because they can fight dirty. Mm-hmm. He says later in the movie that he is always better than the person <laughs> yeah. who's coming at <laughs> he him. Does, he does <laughs> say that he <laughs> never loses, which yeah. it kind of feels like. Well, then how did you get as good as you are? And it scratches that don't have a big head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we hop to the first night where Dalton is the head bouncer. And he dispatches a man who looks like little Dicky in a Weird Al Yankovic costume brandishing a knife. Um, So now after the end of the first night where Dalton is the um, head bouncer, we also get some firing. So my next question is who gets fired tonight? So it's, is it two people at this point? There's the guy who's taking money from the till. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the guy who is having sex in the closet, whose name is Steve. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And we see him fully naked. Yeah. He's like, he gets like the most nudity in the film. Yeah. So yeah, I have Steve, another scumbag Steve in mm-hmm. a movie. Yeah. For He's having sex with an underage patron. We know that because he lets right. her in yeah. with like with the oh, fake ID. This, it's oh like a God, Sears card. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's upsetting. Oh, yeah. No. And then, but I was on my break. And then also the bartender for skimming from the till who ends mm-hmm. up being John Doe, yeah, the actor Don Joe, yeah. Patrick. Yeah. Who ends up being, um, um, why am I forgetting his, um, Brad Wesley's nephew. Yeah. Wesley. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the actor, but yes, that's Brad Wesley's nephew. Uh, Patrick Swayze says when he fires the guy, he says, but I was on my break and he says, you should stay on it, yes. yeah. which I think is oh, a yeah. great line. Well, because everyone has good lines mm-hmm. in this movie, pretty much. Even the bad guys sort of have good lines. If if only in the back of the roadhouse there were some bungalows, mm-hmm. they could have been having sex there instead <laughs> yeah, of in this yeah. walk-in yeah. freezer. That it I seems think like an in. unpleasant place yeah. to like, yeah, to be with somebody. I think that would make them a brothel mm-hmm. if they provided rooms for you to have sex in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was somebody says it was a good night, nobody died. Uh Dalton goes out to his car and sees that it's been vandalized. And then he goes back to um his beautiful loft apartment and there's a debaucherous party at the bad guy's house mm-hmm. across the way. Possibly the lake where everyone in this movie lives yeah. on the shores of. <laughs> um Carol Ann brings him breakfast the next morning and she warns him that he's in trouble for firing the bartender. We also see Swayze's butt, which I believe this is the fourth or fifth time we mentioned that in this podcast already. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Looks yeah. great. Yeah, it looks yeah, great. Yeah, he's he's in the best shape of his life <laughs> at the height of his power. Um, 
Then we get the life could be a dream scene where we have Ben Gazzara <laughs> driving his car on boat, like swaying, where and then Patrick Swayze coming up in the opposite direction and narrowly avoiding him. Mm-hmm. And then next we go to um, Red's auto shop, um, and it seems to be in the same parking lot as the Double Deuce. This is a weird town <laughs> where mm-hmm. the apparently the only bar in the town is also shares a parking lot with the only auto shop in the yeah. town. An unpaved parking lot. An unpaved <laughs> parking lot, which seems to have 50% of the only um, places of business that we see. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you count Emmett's Farm as one of the places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that That spot is like way dustier than that part of Missouri is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's so dusty. Yeah. This whole this whole movie is very... Despite being next to a lake. Yes, remember yeah. the big lake mm-hmm. that we like spend a lot of time on? We, we may get into it later, but Wesley's plan doesn't make any sense based on what yeah. we see the rest of the town mm-hmm. being. Yeah, he talks about all these businesses that he's brought in and we never yeah. see any we of the never businesses. See them. They could be there, but yeah. we just don't see them. He mentions bringing in like JCPenney. It's like, you can't extort JCPenney. <laughs> <laughs> You can't, you can't take a like a yeah, like he's skim off the top of <laughs> J.C. Penny. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I don't Maybe know. He's can. Seen, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So now we meet Red at his place of business. He says he's married an ugly woman and who left me for somebody even uglier than she was. So we know he's a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, Dalton and our villain Brad Wesley meet. And the um, tiny, tiny auto shop. They really hit it off. We also meet Jimmy. (laughs) Um, And then um, we cut to Dalton practicing his stances by the lake where almost everyone in town lives on. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of shots of other men looking at it with different (laughs) levels of sexual tension. (laughs) And I'll let you, the viewer, fill in which one you can stack rank them. And let you have your own. There's a a lot of voyeurism between one side of the lake to the other. Yeah, (laughs) this is like the Great Gatsby. I was going to say, it's a Great Gatsby situation. You didn't say it fast enough. (laughs) Peering across the lake, looking at that green light, being like, if only... (laughs) Dalton believed in the green light. Yeah. (laughs) If only he could Tai Chi quicker, (laughs) reach further. Mm -hmm. So we cut back to the double deuce. And for my next question, the bartender wants his job back. What is the leverage that means he can get his job back? Well, we already established it's that the uh, Brad Bradley is is his uh, Brad Wesley. Is that his name? Yeah. Brad Wesley is his uh, uncle. There's actually something more specific oh. and specific to the double deuce. Oh, so oh, I'll, okay. Mm, okay, okay. So yeah, you if you want to like so, like finish um, your yeah. Well, he provides. He also provides the liquor. Yep. To the, to yeah. The yeah. Wesley yeah. supplies the liquor, and so he's squeezing him to let his nephew back in. He pulls out a big goddamn knife, which is what I wrote. And thank you. We want to. We at the podcast would like to thank Jack Crane for making this big knife. Designing that knife. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Just he. That one. You're definitely yeah. not a friend. Well, again, that knife then comes back later in yeah. the movie. Oh, this Ooh. is the same knife. I think so. I mean, so it's Chekhov's knife. Yeah. Well, I I don't know for we, certain. It's we the, have seen a Chekhov knife earlier in the movie for this point because the man who is in the Hawaiian shirt. Who has the girl? Yeah, dancing. he has that he little pulls knife. Out a knife. Yeah, too. it's yeah. like a little switchblade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like sort of a Bowie knife, yeah, like a knife a with knife. a handle. Like he has a, a case for it on his belt. Yeah, and a case mm-hmm. with it on his belt, yeah, which I believe. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I can't 
promise that it's the same, but it's framed like it's the same knife because at the end it's the same character brandishing a knife that looks the same. Mm-hmm. But maybe he designed many prototypes of the same knife. Mm-hmm. It's a Bowie knife. It's yeah. like, let's stab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But someday we'll get through all of Jack Crane's knife movies. Um so he fights um, Wesley's three henchmen who are comically three different sizes. It's like those old singular wireless commercials. <laughs> we have a short and stout man up to a tall and skinny man and then a person in between. Um, and now we cut to the hospital where we first get to meet Dr. Clay. And so I have a couple of questions in this scene. So the first one is, she so asks how he got his wounds and his response And it's something pretty specific. It's sort of like a jokey sort of response to it. Natural causes. Yep, natural causes. He was going to be one of those things I remember as soon as Mm -hmm. he said it. Yeah, this next one might be first to buzz in. Lying to a doctor and being sarcastic. It's great stuff. Mm -hmm. What does he say when he refuses his anesthetics? (laughs) This this is one of the greatest lines in movie history. He says, pain don't hurt. Yep, pain don't hurt. If you had slightly flubbed the line, I would have not given it to you, but that's exactly like from the gospel of, of Roadhouse. <laughs> this is uh, this is weirdly a line that my father references a lot for some reason, despite not mentioning this movie ever. Like, pain don't hurt is in his wheelhouse it kinda, of lines. It kind of transcends this movie. Even if you don't know this movie, yeah. it would kind of work as mm-hmm. a line, I think. Yeah, it's sort of the, like, to... Like in witness, like the uh, it's not our way, it's yeah, my it's not, way, it's not our way, it's my way is a mm-hmm. great one. Yeah, watch it for the witness episode coming soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Philly based movie, yeah. I've it's... been in that bathroom where that murder takes place, <laughs> not during the murder, no, you should say, yeah, not during that murder, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually much nicer in the movie than it is in real life, one of yeah. the dirtiest bathrooms, anyway. <laughs> I, I appreciate the sentiment of it, but I'll go on record here saying that's a stupid line. Pain okay. don't because hurt. Pain doesn't hurt. <laughs> Fair enough, but my response would be, I, I think that sort of works in its favor. Mm-hmm. It is a yeah. dumb thing to say, but it's also kind of dumb to um, refuse a local anesthetic when somebody <laughs> yes. is going to be patching you up yeah. because it, if you flinch, it might mess up the scar. And they even talk about like different scars and how well that, mm. that, that's been done. And if you have a local anesthetic and somebody else is doing it, you're much more likely to do it very cleanly so it heals correctly. Mm-hmm. It is kind of a dumb line, I will agree. I like it. It's dumb. It just it fits with his character because of his whole philosophy stance. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. pain don't hurt. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's very like introspective, philosophical metaphysical like response mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. life. Yeah, the the read I got of it on this watch was that these were all sort of canned answers. Like, he's been in this situation (laughs) so many times that he's worked out all this dialogue, and he's so used to doctors giving him a hard time. The only line that I think he kind of breaks from that is the last line um, where he really charms the doctor, but I'll Mm -hmm. let you continue because it might be a question. So... um... It's actually not so mm-hmm. like, but um, well, I have one or two more questions from the line, but feel free to jump in and say the last mm-hmm. line. Um, so the next question I have is, what is his education background? Um, he is a major in philosophy. Do you remember the university? 
Oh, I think it was in New York. Was it NYU? Yes. Okay. He has a degree from philosophy from NYU. And I did look it up and they only give out PhDs or bachelor's degrees. So he either is a PhD in philosophy or has a bachelor in um, philosophy. So he could be Dr. Dalton. Probably mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Um, I, it, I, says, it says in the description on Max that he has a PhD in oh, philosophy. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh. Interesting. I don't know if they say that in the movie, oh, but okay. it does say that in yeah. the description. Well, she's also reading off of his chart that apparently has his education <laughs> right laughed at that. Yeah. 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 I was like, it says that on his medical Well, he chart. carries his own chart around with him, so mm-hmm. he yeah. can put whatever he wants on there. <laughs> right. yeah. He puts yeah. his diploma in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some pictures of his butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like nudes. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah, it's a female doctor, out. he has a second folder for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says here on your chart, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good man. He wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If it's not a question, do you want to say what that line is? Yeah. Because so, that is my favorite line. Yeah, it's movie. a good line. So he says, she's like, don't you ever lose fights or, or something to that? She, he, so this is looking at all the scars and she says, mm-hmm. don't you ever win any fights right and then he says no one ever wins a fight yeah. and like mm-hmm. i do like that yeah and she's immediately like oh this guy's got something else yeah. going yeah. on she yeah. clutches yeah. her pearls and she's all smitten <laughs> yeah as am i watching mm. this <laughs> mm-hmm. so i did sort of say it before this is the third time that um somebody says i thought you'd be bigger she says that in the hospital from what could she possibly have like thought that from? Mm-hmm. Does she also know about the cooler circuit of yes. of bouncers? Um, they are making him seem like he's a five foot five Tom Cruise or something. Like yeah. he should be smaller right. than he is. Yeah. Or um, uh, Danny DeVito's character in Get Smart, where it's like he actually is a lot shorter than people mm-hmm. think he is. Get shorty or um, get shorty? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's not the not the Steve Carell one. Yeah, I was like, I didn't see the Steve Carell <laughs> Get, get Smart or, or the older like television program, but I was like, I bet it's Get Shorty. I did not think of Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise would have also done this role very well. Yeah. Tom Cruise is so weird in all yeah. of his roles. Yeah. He, he would have brought a different energy, yeah. but he, he could have made it. But they should have let yeah. him be five foot five yeah. for this yeah. movie. No boxes, <laughs> right. no standing or forced perspective. Mm-hmm. Let right. him be exactly. five foot five. He was he yeah. was also a child. In I was about to say 1989, yeah. He was a little too young, mm-hmm. even though don't... I mean, 89? Or yeah, yeah well, eight, this yeah, was filmed in eighty eight, yeah, so probably in his twenties. This was right around risky yeah. business, right? I was gonna say he was an adult he, acting. He was he yeah. was old. He was still playing younger. He was that weird spot where yeah. he was playing younger roles than he was. Because Top Gun would have been mid eighties. 86. 86. Yeah, so he would have oh, yeah. been passing. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. oh, okay. supposed to be like a bit of a younger guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let me just double check that so I know whether to cut no some of this tangents. or all of this. No yeah. tangents. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was right about that. Um, 80, 83 is Risky Business. 86 is Top Gun. Oh, okay. 89 is Roadhouse. He absolutely could have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think saying like oh i this is something i can look up unless the church of scientology has wiped this <laughs> um tom is that a helicopter outside? you're trying to yeah. find it how how tall he is tom cruise was born in 62 okay and swayze was born in what did i say you said he was 36 in this movie so if it was 62 he would have been 27 um yeah, so, yeah, he's about 10 years younger than um, Swayze is. Mm. So, 
Swayze, who's 36, who would have been like 26, mm-hmm. okay. which isn't impossible. Like, again, I don't, I don't think that that's, there's anything that, um, that would prevent him. But I do think that you cast somebody who's 10 years younger yeah. than Patrick Swayze in this. And he's also not as, um, I suspect he wouldn't have been as like physically yeah. built, even mm-hmm. though Swayze is like a yeah. dancer. He has a little bit of like mass to him. Yeah. It Tom, might, yeah. Tom Cruise is someone who looks weird without a shirt on, <laughs> yeah. like because of how he doesn't tend to play. He, he doesn't tend to play yeah, shirtless yeah. guys. Yeah. Just show, because, uh, he's like so built, but he's, it's on such a small frame that yeah. you're sort of like, that's a little weird. I think he um, did have a shirtless scene in Top Gun. That was, mm-hmm. but you're right. It's just a different yeah, yeah. frame of body. So it's not what you're expecting. Right. To see. I mean, especially in his later movies, like, um, there's a shirtless scene in in Dead Reckoning or not Dead Reckoning, um, Rogue Nation, Mission Rogue Impossible, Nation, yeah. Rogue Nation, mm-hmm. and it it is like, this is weird. I don't want to put a shirt back on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas Swayze, it's like, yeah, you can keep it off half the movie. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he does looks so good. <laughs> yeah, there's one mm-hmm. point where he's reading a book by the window and he's ha- he's shirtless. And I'm like, okay, this is for us. Like, <laughs> this is him with his smart side reading something like really powerful without a shirt leaning against the chair. Yeah, that's that's in the scene where he sees the party. So I'm assuming yeah. there's no question. Okay, so that's <laughs> he's reading Jim Harrison's Heart yeah. of uh, Heart of Darkness. I yeah, think. <laughs> I think. Or, uh, um, I just no, Jim not Harrison. Heart of Darkness, I but yeah, I wrote it's down a, Jim Harrison. I couldn't see what the title of the book was. I yeah. looked it up based on the cover because <laughs> we see the cover art briefly, and Heart of Darkness is Joseph Conrad. That's why I'm like, that's not the yeah. right book. Um, I can't imagine he's comfortable reading without a shirt on. We love seeing it happen, though. Yeah, Legends of the Fall. Yeah, Legends book. of the yeah, Fall. Yes. yes. Yeah. Don't worry. Four people on IMDb have already <laughs> told me yeah, about you. that. Thank you. There might be conservatively two million like trivia facts ab- on the IMDb page about this. Like <laughs> people love to, whether or not they're actual trivia, but that's par for the course. There's a lot of like content on the IMDb page yeah, about this. Like, now we leave the hospital, and here's um, we first get to see one of the unsung heroes of this movie, Bigfoot. The monster truck, mm-hmm. who is, yeah, most of us are a little too young to know Bigfoot, but we knew, like, remember, like, Gravedigger and some of the other branded. Bigfoot was one of the first big branded monster trucks. Mm-hmm. I have I have a tangent. <laughs> um, is that okay with Joe Cooler? Yeah. Yeah, this one goes. It's a good st- It's nah, It's not that interesting. But um, uh, from that same era as Bigfoot, uh, there was another monster truck called Thunder Chicken mm-hmm. um, oh. that was that was sort of big on the scene, especially locally. And um, the people who own Thunder Chicken didn't really work with Thunder Chicken anymore. They just put him on their lawn, and he uh, sat on their lawn, like, up in the Poconos for many, many years. Um, and when I was a kid, we would always go up to Knobles in the Poconos. And we would drive past the house that had Thunder Chicken, and it was always a big to-do. We were excited to see Thunder Chicken. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. Well, I, it, was, well it was short. Yeah. I, like, this is a, an education for me. I, I didn't even know that Monster Trucks had names. And mm-hmm. that, Same like, here. This, I mean, it makes sense, because I know there are, like, Monster Truck rallies and stuff. But, so, I was, but I'm not familiar with any of this. I didn't realize they had their own estates mm-hmm. yeah. or, like, fan bases or yeah. names or... Yeah. <laughs> When I was in high school, me and a couple of my friends went to um, South Philly to um, see, um, we didn't, 
follow monster trucks normally but it was gravedigger's last um show in philly so i got to see gravedigger's last philadelphia mm-hmm. show damn that's uh, cool yeah that before he they were he was retired yeah grave gravedigger really is the big name in monster trucks at it least was, from our generation yeah, he, and stuff when we use he uh, he yeah. was everywhere when we yeah. were kids yeah the gravedigger mm-hmm. gravedigger gravedigger every damn, every time there was it. new technology in remote controlled cars they would put out a grave digger or like, oh, yeah, or yeah. like a new matchbox set. There's like a ton of grave digger commercials. Yeah, I do remember I, I had some friends who had RC grave diggers, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Bigfoot drives up to Wesley's house and all of the goons pile out like a clown car that's up very high. <laughs> um, he talks about how um, John Doe's character, his, his only sister's son. So... We know that about him, that he doesn't have any additional sisters, but perhaps he has many brothers. We don't learn any enough about him. Um, Wesley asks for an apology. I believe you, Tinker. But he doesn't believe Taylor or Soldier or Spy. <laughs> um, so um, the next question I have, and this is from that same scene where he's disciplining his um, his henchmen, he doesn't. He says, "You disgust me, O'Connor." Does anybody remember why O'Connor disgusts him? Yeah, I buzzed in way too early, but <laughs> it's be it's because he bleeds too much. Yep, you're a bleeder. You bleed too much. Do you think Wesley is the bad guy in this movie? I think I, he I, I'm be. trying to yeah. like I I was trying to parse it together from the information we're given in this scene, but it wasn't clear to me. Yeah, he punches that guy like a comedic number of times. Yeah. He keeps tricking him, and then it does seem yeah. like he fires him at the end of the yeah. scene anyway. He's like, no, you're fine. I'll bam. You're, no, it's like, now now I'm not going to punch you again. Bam. That's kind of another great dumb line. It's like, you bleed too much. Yes, he punches yeah. him in the face. Mm-hmm. You're weak. Mm-hmm. When I hit you, you get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> don't you, do you know have? that um, pain don't hurt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you have, blood in you? <laughs> Um, so we cut to Red's auto parts or the double deuce. They're the same address and two goons are leaving. And one of them is literally saying, it ain't work if you're having fun. And the other <laughs> one says, life is good. It seems that Red has refused to pay his protection money. And um, so here Dalton learns like what the deal is with Wesley. And for my next question, can somebody explain how Wesley is getting money from everyone? And I want specifically, you can explain it however you want, but in the answer, please include the name of the organization that makes it all legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's the head of the Jasper Improvement Society, um, and they collect 10% dues from every business in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently they knock over shit if you don't pay in your 10%. Yeah, Red's like, oh, it's all legal. Formed the Jasper Improvement Society. All the business in town belongs to him. Okay, so there's his plan. Like Again, to- something you can't do to a Sears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you go to the local McDonald's and you start knocking the like grimace, like um, yeah. like sort of standy over. They just call Let the, the police. Know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, I'm sorry, I'm a 17-year-old who works the cash register here. I can't give you the yeah. till, like <laughs> Ben Gazzara. You try and, told me not to. Yeah. You try doing that and Mac from Mac and Me like comes and roughs you up. Yeah, after he, and then he dances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patrick Swayze asks, does everybody pay? Can anybody tell me Red's response? 
It's folksy. Does everybody pay. I guess. Only those who got the brains. That's not bad. If I only had a brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, Steve? I think he says yes. No, it's folksier <laughs> than uh, that, track. even. Um so Red responds, does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? Uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, I'm upset I forgot. No. That. The answer to that is no. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're, yeah. they're children's toys. Yeah, no. yeah. very they, obviously no. They almost never include a penis on the ho- no. on the little rocking <laughs> Why? horse. Almost, almost, almost never. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't say never because I mean I only saw a few like rocking horses in my day. Maybe they did back in the eighties. Maybe that was very atomically correct. <laughs> Anatomically correct. Um, so with that, that's the end of the second round. Would you mind reading the scores out? Okay, we still have a pretty close game. I'm still in third place with 10 points. In second place, we have Bob with 11 and Steve with 13. Anyone's game still. So now that Swayze knows what the score is, he needs to... (laughs) Call in some help. And somehow this is the first time we're meeting Sam Elliott's character. Mm-hmm. And so for the next question, we cut to Wade's um, bar that he's bouncing. What is the first thing that we see? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I didn't. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to get this wrong because I have wet t-shirt con- uh, contest in my head. But that's not what it is. You're right that it's not quite right it, what it is. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to take a guess about no, exactly I'll what it is? It. Okay. I surprisingly was thinking what t-shirt too, but I think it was like a topless contest. Is that it, right? It's different than that. Okay. So, so we open on the banner that <laughs> said wet t-shirt concert con- contest, and t-shirt is crossed out, right? And wet. they're just wet women yes um but then in addition to that there are a bunch of veterans so you've wandered away from it okay it's that's almost right so i'll give it to steve t-shirt is crossed out and g-string is written in that's what it's a wet g-string contest um and it says wet g-string contest every night <laughs> so i guess it's they've got sporting of them yeah i guess they have people to participate in the wet g-string contest mm-hmm. every night because i'd imagine a wet g-string contest with no people participating is not a wet g-string contest like if you're real like a real stickler about that mm-hmm. um so yeah, then it's just a wet blanket contest. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and so not to like step on what you were going to say, but it's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So they're <laughs> surrounding the um, performers at the wet G string contest. Um, there are a number of men in their fatigues with like little squirt guns that are coming up and starting to harass the women. And we get, um, what? that environment doesn't nurture that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we get, um, uh, Elliot, Elliot to like grab one of their shoulders and says, take it easy, Rambo. I know you want to save the world from the commies, but you'll have to do that from down here. (laughs) Um, 
Does the army let you go to a strip club in your fatigues? Like normally, I, I feel know. like they. I don't think they can stop you. There's yeah, no war going on <laughs> in '89. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Granada or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, there's some conflicts, but yeah, the Americans I don't think are really participating. It didn't the, seem like they're like soldiers at sea, and this is like, oh, they're they're only here for one night. Let them see the wet g-string contest. Those, yeah, the water guns that they have are shaped like Uzis, mm-hmm. and. They're just black. There's no like orange tip. These oh are yeah, like, this these is, could yeah. easily be mistaken for real guns. Yeah, they. Well, this is we're broadcasting from 2023, where you don't want to have unmarked guns in your establishment. Yeah, it, also like walking, you know, walking topless on a stage isn't like the most preferable thing in the world. But walking across a stage and having people squirt water guns at you, this sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess they're technically participating in the wet g-string contest. You'd I thought feel they like, were employees there, so like they aren't getting paid for they, this. Because what do they? What be, do they right? get from this? No, well, they have to be being. Yeah, well, they're getting paid. Certainly. Well, yeah, well, what according do they get from this, according to one of Wesley's goons, it's not work if you're having fun. So. <laughs> yeah, this is. This I don't is, think they're having fun, but. Okay. And, yeah. and well, I mean the the people squirting them, not necessarily okay. the the performers. Um, the next question I have is because um, Dalton gets weighed on the phone and they're talking, they're going back and forth. Um, what? So at Wade, the establishment Wade's working at, what is the sign in the urinal say? It says, "Don't eat the big white mint." <laughs> yep. Could you say that in your Sam Elliott voice, Bob? Don't eat the big white mint. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I got to work on my scene. No, that, that's exactly right. right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's my... That's I forget what the term is in, in impressions, the centering word or whatever, yeah. where you do that to you sort of... You start yeah. saying that word to get the impression. Yeah. yeah. He seems drunk, like, in every scene that he's in in this movie. It's it's a great performance. Yeah, yeah. he really does. It's so good. Yeah, it but, it is exactly sort of a weird... Because it is different than the type of character Patrick Swayze is playing, but it is of a piece. Mm-hmm. They yeah. sort of are both yeah. sort of that philosopher cowboy. Cut from the same cloth. Yeah, but he feels more like a mystical Old West version, whereas Dalton, yeah. Yeah. who I, I do have to say, doesn't feel, as somebody who's from the tri-state area, very New York. <laughs> like yeah. Patrick no, Swayze not is not no. very, like, no indication. NYU. Like, there are tons of really excellent universities in the Midwest that would make a lot more sense to have, have him gone to. Real quick, you mentioned, like, a uh, grounding phrase. Yeah. I, I think of, I've always found, for with impressions, that it's easier to do an impression after you hear someone else do an impression mm-hmm. of somebody. And I think of Jim Carrey doing an impression of Sam. Sam Elliott, yeah. uh, where he's like, I'm clearly Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Elliott is also just so endearing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if I was at a roadside diner, I'd get up and dance with him. Yeah. He's just, he just, yeah, he seems great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a beat in this movie where he gets the phone call from Dalton and he walks over to the phone and he flips his hair around like he's trying to impress Dalton. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, I gotta, like, jazz myself up to see Dalton and it's like he adjusts his hair which is great in this movie oh but mm-hmm. it, it's just such a good he's so good he's so mm-hmm. good I love it later on when they're going to get into a fight and he pulls out his little um, his ponytail holder yeah. and puts yeah. his hair I yeah. love it yeah yep. putting his hair up is, is sort of like there's a bunch of stuff that and Swayze and a bunch of the characters do it but it is it's iconic not necessarily in the way that we tend to use it now that's super 
sort of superlative, like mm-hmm. iconic, but iconic in the way that it's like it's it feels so obvious that Sam Elliott's character does the hair like the yeah. putting his hair back. But there's no we've never seen this character before this part of the movie and we never see him again and we know nothing about him. But like everything he does, it's like, oh, yeah, he always does that. And it's the yeah. same with Dalton. Then it's the same with a couple of the other characters. I was going to mm-hmm. say, I think that's why Sam Elliott and Patrick Swayze are so good in this movie. It, they, it feels like they did more work for this movie for their characters than the script did. Mm-hmm. Like It felt like they took time. They talked about it. Like there's a great scene earlier when um, we first meet Cody and it's, you know, it could have very easily been Patrick Swayze walking into the cage, um, you know, tricking him and saying hi. But as he's walking in, he shakes hands with every single mm-hmm. band member. It's like, Shh, and like yeah. holds his finger up and says, shush. But like, he's acknowledging like, hey, I know these guys. It's mm-hmm. not just Cody, the name guy I'm friends with, but like, we've seen each other before. I'm going to shake their hand each and every time. Like, that, that wasn't a direction. That was just something he decided to do. And then he's like, okay, sh- don't, mm-hmm. don't tell him I'm here. I'm going to go yeah. surprise him. Kind yeah, of he's like, he seems to be really good friends with Cody, but he's friendly with everyone. Yeah. Or he's friends with everyone, but he's like really good Which friends with Cody. Which makes sense if he mm-hmm. has run into the band in several places. He knows them all. And that was such a small thing to do to be like, yes, it makes sense because he's he's seen these guys in his travels. This mm-hmm. is part of his, mm-hmm. like his work and his life. So yeah. it's just like small things like that and putting the hair up in the ponytail that really just do feel like great character choices. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is nice to shake people's hand. And that is one of his rules. Mm-hmm. So yeah, be nice. Yeah, <laughs> when when Sam Elliott shows up at the double deuce, he looks up at the sign and he calls it the double douche, which is <laughs> yeah. sort of the joke in the like. Yeah, it it sounds like douche. Is that funny? No, it's not. Is it charming <laughs> when Sam Elliott says it in a like a diminishing way? Yeah, yeah. it sort of is. And it's he's like looking up into me. the sun and he's yeah. like moving the hair in fr- from behind his face and stuff like yeah. that. And it. Yeah, I want to know if Sam Elliott does any audio books because his voice <laughs> is so damn like soothing. Mm-hmm. I want to fall asleep listening to he, that. He, am I mistaken? He rolls up on a motorcycle, yes. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool, absolutely. Yeah. Motorcycles are cool. Yeah, can't argue with that. <laughs> and it does again fit the sort of like drifter sort mm-hmm. of thing because obviously you can't fit a lot of cargo in or a second person even in a in a motorcycle necessarily. Mm-hmm. That's how he breaks up with all his girlfriends. Yeah. Sorry, there's no other seat. I yeah. gotta go. <laughs> gotta go to my next bar. <laughs> Only I had a sidecar. Let me ask you this. So in the movie Ghost Rider, Sam Elliott plays one of the older Ghost Riders. Oh, and he rides a horse. Movie. Would it have been too much if he broke up on a horse? <laughs> I think yes. Not for Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it makes more sense that he rides a motorcycle. <laughs> he can get yeah, away with probably. anything. Yeah. There could have been a scene with him and Emmett where he's like, I need another horse. <laughs> Damn, I forgot he was in Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. I watched that movie oh, yeah. once and then immediately forgot everything about mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. it was so bad. But Not a good film. No, but yeah. Sam Elliott. Coming soon to an episode yeah. near you. <laughs> Ghost Rider 2, I think. And that is a threat. Closer to covering. <laughs> Yeah. We're making a lot of promises this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of future movies. Yeah, I I like make like two to three promises for future episodes every episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have a lot. We um, have talked a lot about Sam Elliott, and that's all we've seen of him so far. In mm-hmm. that phone call, we go back to the double deuce, but it's nicer. And we got Carol Ann singing, and it's the one character is like, I didn't know she could sing. And She's great. Yeah. And so we, um, Wesley's girl, Denise, hits on Swayze, and then Jimmy, the main henchman, grabs her and, like, takes her out. Um, then 
we have Wesley's goons walking in. This is the first kind of scene that's like a shot across the bow between the double deuce, like um, current management, and then Wesley and his um, people. Um, for my next question, what does Dalton first notice when they walk in that like signals to him that they're messing for some trouble? You buzzed in so quick, Bob. I was so ready for this. Yeah, he's got like a knife boot. Yep, yeah. blade in the boot. Yeah. Um, not designed by the. Yeah, guy, not I that I not not <laughs> from what I can tell, but perhaps it was. Um, so then, Doctor um, Clayton arrives in her picnic basket dress or picnic blanket dress while they are fighting the goons outside. Um, so the um, they're able to best the goons because it's not the third act yet. Um, so, what advice does Dalton give at the end of the fight? To like to the goons? to no well to one of his um, bouncers um, out after they've like moved the goons off. Yeah, he says like you could be the biggest guy in the world, but if I kick out your knee or mm-hmm. something like that, you yeah you're gonna go down. Give me the biggest guy in the world. You smash his knees and he'll drop like a stone, which does sort of make sense, I guess. It's just a very weird, <laughs> um, like a. Uh, sort of things to say and the other bouncer seems to find that super insightful (laughs) but yeah i bet i was before i watched this movie i'm like yeah if you break someone's kneecap they'll fall over (laughs) philosophy of dalton yeah yeah this felt a little preachy because they already won the fight (laughs) the other dude held his own fine Mm -hmm. yeah so um then um him and doc decide to go on a date they cut to we cut to bonnie's grill this is that conversation we kind of alluded to before. Are you always better than they are? Yes. You ever been put down? Not really. And then they drive back to once again find his car vandalized. And then it's like they're they're sort of an item now. And then we cut to Dalton laying on the hood of his car outside of his beautiful farm loft. We've been life. we've been looking for you all over. Well, then why didn't you look outside of the farm like loft that everyone <laughs> seems to lives. know? Yeah. yeah, Like Wesley could have told you that that's where he lives because he flies his helicopter yeah. over there every day. And Harry watches Ann. him do Tai Chi like mm-hmm. creepily. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they know he lives there. Yeah. It's a big open know. space. Yeah. Carrie Ann found him pretty easily. So. Yeah. Everyone knows where everyone <laughs> is all the time because it's like a small town where there's four places of business. <laughs> And one mobster. And a JCPenney. <laughs> yeah, and a JCPenney off Coming screen. Soon. Forget about it, Dalton. It's Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now we go to see Wesley. There's loud pop music playing and tons of taxidermied animals. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I wonder if that will come back later. They, he, Swayze walks past a picture of um, Wesley's grandfather. That's my grandfather. He looked like an important man. He was an asshole. Oh, okay. Whatever. For my next question, um, what is Wesley's story that he tells that sort of explains his from beginning all the way to how he got here? There's only a couple of beats, but it sort of is like a couple of things where he grew up, like when he came here and like what he's been doing. I mean, I'm going to miss some things, but I, he says that he was in the military and he, when he got out of the military, he came here and he's the one who 
brought the he's like i brought the jc penny i brought the you know whatever he names like big name places and he's like i did this i brought it so he's like i like sort of lifted up this town Mm -hmm. can i yeah i'm gonna ask two specifics do you remember he said i grew up on the streets of which city oh okay and then um, he I came here after what conflict? Because you're right, he was in yeah, the military. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Can anybody fill in those in? He grew up in Bugaboo Farmhouse. <laughs> uh, what was the name? Bugaboo, Bugaboo Creek Steakhouse. Okay. No, I, I think he says Chicago. Yep, he grew up on the streets of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it's after the Korea. Yep. Yes. So you can each get a point there. Um, he grew up on the streets of Chicago. He came here after Korea brought and brought the businesses here. He brought the mall. He brought the 7-Eleven. He brought the photo mat. He brought the JC JCPenney. Um, all businesses that are doing great today. A mall, <laughs> yeah. a 7-Eleven, a JCPenney, and a photo mat. Four juggernaut businesses the we'll real, yeah, that we'll always be using. I think 7-Eleven's doing okay. Yeah. If anybody's listening who's younger than us, Google those words and you'll be able to figure out what they are. My my mom told me recently that she went to New York Photo to get her Christmas cards printed. And I'm like, wow, people still do that. I just think of Shutterfly. I think of like anything online that it gets shipped to you and then you can send them out. But she went to a place to get like them developed. (laughs) If I pulled up in my car to a New York photo, I would have assumed that I had done like a DeLorean and time traveled in my car. I I would have been like, like looking for the little like knob to change the gigawatts. Um, So Wesley has a cousin in um, Memphis and tells him that Dalton killed a man there and said it was self-defense in the trial. Yeah. So, yeah, Wesley, I can't imagine Wesley's Memphis cousin. So does he look like Ben Gazzara, but he has like a cowboy hat or something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Also from Chicago. Got some boots. Yeah. Yeah, back in the deuce, and it's crazy crowded. Um, and the first scene we have here is with the uniforms for the bouncers. So this is the real deal. Dalton has all but turned this place around. We've got Keith David manning the bar, and you have to really, I'm only saying this now, so when you watch this, you really look for him because he's hidden in there like a Where's Waldo. I think I missed him this watch around. I knew he was in it, and then I don't remember seeing him. He's the one who hands Dalton the phone to call for more booze, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much, we're we're not really seeing him after that. He He also a good job, though, of handing Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I believed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believed it. When he handed him the phone, I'm like, wow, Swayze's got the phone now. (laughs) Um, so, um, he goes outside again, um, and is met by the doctor and we cut away to see the like goons staking out the place, but they're staking out the place in the Bigfoot, like monster truck. (laughs) Very inconspicuous. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's not an, it's like doing a stakeout in the Batmobile. Like it's not like, it's like you can see it from like across the way. It's like, you think the people in the Bigfoot like monster truck are Ben Gazzara's like goons? (laughs) Um, so they go back to his place and she asks, is this your place? Making her the only character we have met who does not know Dalton's exact home address. Yep. Um, that's the, so we can confirm that she's the only one. Um, so my next question here is what song does he end up putting on? Did anybody catch that? Or even the artist 
only because it's a really good song. He's playing with the radio. Yeah, he oh. passes a couple of tracks, and you better believe that IMDb has like a, like a detailed breakdown of all of the tracks that he skips over. Be- because you mentioned it, I just want to say that I thought it was a really cute moment where he goes on the radio and he like there's like plays a rock song and mm-hmm. he looks over at her and she just like yeah. shakes her head yeah. and he like gives this really great look like he shakes it like yeah no you're right yeah this is not right <laughs> and i i think it works really mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. like uh i i found it very endearing mm-hmm. so um it's the track is these arms of mine by otis redding mm-hmm. Which is a very cool, very sexy sort of song. It really does work out that right when they turned to it on the radio, it happened to be playing right from the beginning. Because yeah. <laughs> remember, it's radio. It could be three-fourths of the way through the song. Yep. Um, so for my next question, um, what is Doc's relation to Red? And not just her relation, but also like what history do they have? Um, so he is uh, her uncle, and I forget if he like fully raised her or if her parents weren't around. But she ended up coming. I think she left to get her medical degree, and then she came back to be like to be around, like to help him out and to like be back because she wanted to be around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says he, he raised me after my parents died. Okay. So yeah, basically, um, we learned that she was married to Wesley and I did look it up the there's a 29 year difference between the actors uh, Lynch and Gazzara so oh yeah was the implication that they were married I know she says I was married to the wrong man but yeah. was it him oh. specifically I never thought I that. didn't pick that yeah, up yeah I didn't yeah. I got the sense that he just was into her like pining after but yeah. I guess it makes yeah. sense it could be him yeah I thought it was, and I thought it was implied that, like, when she left, it was kind of, like, to leave him as well. Yeah, that would well, make sense. I remember him saying later on that, like, or he was broken when she left, but I don't remember that them connecting that it was because of a relationship yeah. they had. I thought he was just, like, it's like later Cody says, like, oh, that's the girl that, that's the girl that Brad Wesley's really into. Mm-hmm. So it didn't seem like they had a prior relationship, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Yeah, him being into her doesn't really denote that they were married for a time, Fair but enough, it's yeah. possible. It's crazy that she's not in any scenes with Red, her uncle. <laughs> like, we learned their relationship. What do you because, mean? There's a picture of yeah, them and Red. Yeah, the picture. That's yeah. the only, like... I think she's like, there with the fire, but even then they don't really have a lot of interaction. Right, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If you're watching this, like, people remaking Roadhouse, like... Put these two in a room together. Yo, Jake Gyllenhaal, have them have you a listening? Conversation. Yeah. yeah, and we know you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's our number one fan. Yeah. Um. So back we go back to the double deuce again, and we hear that everyone in town knows that Dalton and Doc, Doc are an item. This is seemingly the following day from well, the he gets scene. Around. Yeah. So is everyone in this movie watching the movie that we're watching? <laughs> it feels like that. Because it's sort of, it's like a Spaceballs situation where they yeah. have like a VHS copy of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go out to the truck where there's the new booze. And once again, someone recognizes Wade, who seemingly has never seen him before. Mm-hmm. But like Wade comes in and it's like, hey, are you Wade Garrett? It's mm-hmm. like, can you sign my poster? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I have a trading card of you in yeah. the cooler like <laughs> trading card. Like, um, so the next question I have is Wade comes out to the um, loading dock where um, we see Swayze and them fighting. What's the nickname that he gives Dalton or Wade uses for Dalton? 
It's something he only says it a couple of times, but it really left an impression on me. What Wade calls Dalton. And he called him this during the fight? Um, yeah, one or two times. Yeah, during the fight, or at least that scene leading up to the fight. Well, is it Miho? Yep, Miho. Oh, it is yeah. Miho. We yeah. mentioned it. I was going to guess Daltmeister. Nope. <laughs> no, you would be wrong if you okay. guessed that. But you'd be right if you guessed Miho. I forgot that. Yeah, he definitely doesn't say it as many times as I remember. Because I remember him almost like snarf, like beginning and ending all of his, his <laughs> like sentences with Miho. When I first watched this, I'm like, oh, yeah, he only says it like twice. Mm-hmm. But even still, why? I don't. it's not clear why he says it, but it's fun. Um, so Dalton introduces Wade to Doc and then they go to a bar and then they're comparing scars. Um, and then when they're at this bar for my next question, um, Wade wants to go to another location other than the bar that the three of them are hanging out. Does anybody remember why Wade wants to go to another bar? Um, well, it's the... Or another place, I should say, not another bar. But. Yeah, he he says something along the lines of, I want to go somewhere where there's like respectable dancing or something. Yeah, he says he wants to go someplace where there's dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like... And they go to a diner. And yeah. they go to a diner where there's a juice box. <laughs> it's like a twist in this movie when they cut to the diner and it's daytime. So like yeah, they, it's, so they've been drinking all night. All night. Like, yeah. So what I think what is happening, especially when Doc is hanging out with them, it's after work, and since they work at bars, oh, they're yeah. they're nights. She's a nurse. Yeah, yeah they're nights. Doctor. Pro- she's a doctor. Oh, doctor. Yes. I apologize. I yeah. sincerely you, apologize. You could tell yeah. her name. She's a doctor because her yeah, name is yeah. Her name yeah. is Doc. Okay. Um, but yes, they um, go to a diner. All my exes live in Texas. Playing mm-hmm. by George mm-hmm. Strait is there again. We're in Kansas City, but um, Sam Elliott is obviously famously from Texas <laughs> because of his accent. Um, that girl has entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. Is a line that our hero says, mm-hmm. and um, and then also when a man sticks a gun in your face, you have two choices: you can die or you can kill the motherfucker. <laughs> Again, the, the philosophy, the, the the book of Dalton, subtitled by uh, by um, yeah, D- uh, Walter. Oh God, I forgot. Uh, Wade Garrett. Garrett. Wade yeah. Garrett. <laughs> yeah, Sam Elliott's character, Wade Garrett. Yeah. So now we're back to the double deuce again. Um, it's popping, but not all is right because Red's place has caught fire. Um, it's real red now. Yeah, it is real red. This thing goes up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So quick. Yeah, it was made of straw or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's made of ignition fluid. Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of it's the one of the first two little pigs from the three. Yeah. Little, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either that or like it was burning for a while and no one noticed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when they come back from when Wade's, um, they sort of like see Wade's place goes up and they come back, and presume I guess everyone in the double deuce left except Wade and his goons. Um, this might be a, like a weird question, but I'm curious if anybody noticed it. Um, Wesley's in the bar, and he's sort of acting like he runs the place. And do you remember what he keeps calling Jeff Healy's character? He keeps like referring to him as something that's not his name. Uh, Elvis. He calls yeah, he Elvis keeps calling him Elvis. Oh. He's like, play something, yeah. Elvis. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I found that weird because I'm like... He's never mentioned Elvis as a character or seemed to like Elvis, but um, Elvis himself plays some Muddy Waters, and um, Do- I mean, um, Wesley's girlfriend does a striptease, and then 
Jimmy comes in and starts doing a kata with a pool cue. And then, cool. then their goons start breaking down the bar. During that fight, did anybody notice that Jimmy pole vaults yes. with the pool cue? Oh, That's why yes. he has the best action scene. Yes. 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 The problem so cool. The thing about a pool, um, um, I don't, I'm no pole vaulter, but I think the big benefit of it is it's longer than your body mm-hmm. in order to get some leverage off of it. And, and so it's a little bend, not bendy, but like it yeah, has a it has, little it's a bend so that you can like leverage your weight against it. A pool mm-hmm. cue is taut and it's smaller than mm-hmm. you, so. That's not really going to take you anywhere. It's badass, though. He uses like a bow staff and just sort of like flies himself. Yeah, yeah some yeah. real Donatello he, action. He <laughs> uses the body of the one bouncer yeah. at the bar who sort of looks like Chum Lee from uh, Pawn Stars mm-hmm. to like vault over, <laughs> which was fun. Mm-hmm. I felt like this scene was the beginning of the end, <laughs> you know, in terms of the movie, like going, starting to go off the rails. And I, it, there are a series of we've talked about this like uh, decisions around uh, Dalton's character that don't make sense after this point, mm-hmm. and I think one of the ones that I think does not make sense is that he uh, Jimmy goes up with the pool cue and he stands right in front of the stage and he's like challenging everybody. And Patrick Swayze looks at one of the other bouncers and nods to him to say, "Yeah, yeah go fight him." And I'm like, "That's totally the opposite of what you've said the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, take it outside. Mm-hmm. Don't fight these people." And it, it doesn't really like this is I think is the start of when he starts doing things that are out of his character and don't make sense. Yeah. The other thing that uh, and we'll get to it I think literally in the next scene. I get why the Frank character who owns the double deuce doesn't want to just up and leave. He seems to run a really successful bar. He could just leave. Wesley like obviously has domain over Jasper. I assume it doesn't take that long to drive out of Jasper. Just go to another <laughs> like er, like area in Kansas City and open a new bar. But then they win. Yeah. Who you're, wins? That? Like, <laughs> that was like a debate they tried to get into later in the movie that was like, I guess they were trying to be philosophical. It was like, you can walk away, but it's like, no, I can't. I don't know. It got a little too muddy yeah. for mm-hmm. me to be like, yeah, yeah, you could walk away, but like, you're everyone's telling you to, but you're not doing it because that's not what heroes do, I guess. We're not there yet. We can talk more. Yeah, well, what I'm getting at is it kind of makes more sense to me, and not that it does make sense, but to your point, it makes more sense to me that Patrick Swayze's character doesn't walk away than any of the other businessmen walking away. Like, it's not like Red Store seems like that much of a big venture. I'm sure you could find another 5 by 5 shack to sell like um, oil filters somewhere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Emmett, he owns a farm. He could go make a farm somewhere else or something like that. But especially the... Du- land by Newland. Yeah, but especially the double deuce. Like that seems like something that you could replicate in another location. Yeah, your one life is but a dream swerving drive um, <laughs> from that county line. Like it is a yeah. short drive, yeah. <laughs> That's also, um, this fight is Sam Elliott's first fight. And I can't, I don't know. I know they'd say that he's kind of older. He didn't do as well in it as I thought he did. Yeah. I did not sure if the Jimmy Reno character is supposed to be just like really good or I, like, yeah, I think the it's point that. in the movie where they're not winning the fights as often as they were. But like Sam kind of gets his ass kicked a little bit. He has some mm-hmm. few good, really good hits, but like he, like he is a little bit older looking and I guess they kind of, it, it's hard to watch him get like hit over and mm-hmm. over again. Mm hmm. The one other thing I will say is um, 
they give Sam Elliott sort of his own fighting style. And I am curious mm-hmm. if that was something that a stunt coordinator did or Elliott came in. Because obviously, it doesn't matter how you fight in this fake fight. But he does sort of give himself like a slightly different stance than like Swayze does or even the other. Like, And it does, again, without without telling, it does show that it's like, oh, get, this is why Wade Garrett is so formidable. Because he does seem to have his own sort of like fighting style and like um Mm -hmm. abilities yeah i i noticed that he was fighting differently as well but i sort of took it that he didn't seem as good of a fighter Mm. i i mean it might have just been like in the context of the movie i was like oh i'm less convinced by him being like this mythical fighter than patrick sway because we yeah we get told wade is like this great fighter we see Patrick Swayze fight. He looks so good mm-hmm. moving. And like, yeah, I can believe it in the world of the movie too. The Wade's lost a step because he's a little older. But um, yeah, he he is like, he's definitely moving in a different way, which I give the movie credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Wesley fires his gun into the air, ending the fight. It's not working out, Dalton. And so we have a meeting of the business owners at Red's home. And kind of the only justification as to why anyone bothers to stay here in this scene. Um, Can somebody, um, for the next question, name the four business owners? Or not necessarily naming them, but their four businesses. Okay. So we've got Frank Tillman, who owns the Double Deuce. We've got Emmett, who runs the farm. We've got the man in the tie who runs the car dealership that gets <laughs> run over with the monster truck. And then we have um, Red who runs the convenience store slash auto parts place. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This, this scene is like they're trying to explain why people that why they don't do something else besides murder everyone in the like, you know. <laughs> And it's like he even says at one point, he's like, yeah, I got a cousin in the FBI or something like that. And it's like, yes, the this is what the FBI is for. Yeah. Use that like, resource. Yeah, exactly. And I think the reason why they don't do that is he says, like, are you going to testify? And he doesn't. It's like someone will. Yes, someone mm. will testify. Yeah. Patrick Swayze will testify. Again, it's, yeah. it's A-team roles. Like, it's, it's the only thing that exists within this town. There's yes. one guy controlling everything. Right. No one can stand up to right. it. Yeah. yeah. And it also seems like an open shut case mm-hmm. yeah. where it's like, it's not like it's this Byzantine complex like um mob thing where there's like mo- there's businesses that aren't being bothered by it or helped by it everyone's being hurt by it in the same way every like again the jasper like whatever society like um improvement jasper improvement society <laughs> um like it seems like you could have one fbi agent come by and it's like okay we've got the whole case pretty much like yeah we can get a couple of affidavits and all right, time to arrest. And if you have a Wesley. cousin in the FBI, like yeah. do that. Like as we get, we'll find out later on in the movie. Once you cut the head off the snake, there's no more yeah. threat. So <laughs> yeah. like, well, you don't think Tinker is going to take over <laughs> yeah, yeah. for these guys? So I'm like, once mm-hmm. you testify against Brad Wesley, like there's no enforcer coming after right. you. There's no like anything else happening after yeah. that. He is the only threat. 
Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of the end. It's like <laughs> the, they're just piling on the things that don't make sense at mm-hmm. the end of this movie. We don't yeah. see anyone in the movie except for his goons who benefit from Brad Wesley. And even his goons are like really being treated poorly. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't like like the we see is it his niece, the one woman who lives in his house. He's like hitting her. Or is that his is, That's girlfriend? his girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Her name's Denise. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I did, I, in mind, I didn't write that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Like, no one benefits from Wesley being in this town. No. no. The the idea is, like, the like the Al Capone, who it's, like, obviously he's a violent gangster, but he's, like, giving out turkeys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. like, a city. So mm-hmm. there's people who he's helping, but then also businesses that he's exploiting. And it's here, it seems like it's exploiting like exclusively people that he's exploiting like there doesn't seem to be anyone he's like helping except in that one speech at his in his like green like his like um the one speech at his house yeah he'd rather be feared than loved yeah i think he's a bad man yeah i'm starting to get that impression as we're talking about it yeah saying that on the record i don't know he might come after yeah (laughs) even though he is dead at the end of this movie yeah so now we cut to Dalton, Doc, and Jeff Healy in Doc's Jeep that Dalton's driving for some reason. Um, they drive past the Ford dealer, and that's when the goons are all like there with Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the entire town is there. So I guess this weird rumor mill has told everybody that Dalton, I mean, that um, Wesley's goons are going to drive Bigfoot through the Ford dealership. It's- this would be cool to see in person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be stoked to yeah. watch this. Also, clearly something that one of those 100 people could testify. Of. Oh, yes. yeah. There's yeah. so many witnesses. So they many probably witnesses. have security cameras. Yep. Like yes. The damage was clearly done by yeah. a monster truck, right. and there's one guy in town who owns yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah. I do want to shout out the movie for having the restraint for this to be the one and only monster truck thing that the monster <laughs> yeah. truck in the movie does. And it, and it looked cool. Yeah, and it's yeah. cool. Um, that would be the easiest police report ever. Yeah, it's like, it's like, what happened here? Well, a monster truck drove through here. Yeah, that's that is what it looks like has happened. So and, much evidence. Uh, I would love to be the small time cop doing the forensic work on the the wheel <laughs> that crushed the car. Yeah. It's like, well, the car that crushed this must have been like, I don't know like 20 feet tall (laughs) sort of like a monster truck keep an eye out for a wheel like that and and presumably if you live in this town you also saw it in person when you were there as the monster truck yeah wesley says i never thought you'd turn on me all he does is extort and threaten and hurt people how could he not like think that like um i think it was yeah he's to the ford dealership guy he says this um he Oh, I forgot. It is specifically a Ford dealership. Yeah. You see that in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Garrett. Product placement. Yeah. <laughs> cut back to the farm and Swayze has sort of flipped the switch to like manic Swayze from mm-hmm. calm Swayze. Mm-hmm. He's head to toe sweat. He's not so zen anymore. Yeah. And Garrett tries to convince him to leave and go back to the farm. I mean, I'm back at the farm. And then Doc tries to convince him to leave. Um, and then Emmett's house is blown up. Emmett is asleep there in like red long underwear. They're like cartoon red <laughs> long underwear. Nothing less from him. Yeah. And then we see Jimmy driving away on his dirt bike, cackling, like <laughs> unhinged jaw, like like wiggling his head, like laughing so much. And he yells, "Prepare to die!" And 
Dalton says, you are such an asshole, <laughs> which sort of seems like the wrong line, but does sort of work, I would argue. If, if I don't know if you guys remember this. And then I didn't make this a question, but of course... I used to fuck guys like you in prison, oh, is yeah. what he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're assuming Classic. that, yeah, we Classic. we assume that he's talking about consensual, consensual hetero, I mean, homosexual mm-hmm. sex that him and other yeah. people had in prison. Actually, like, as as a ward of the state, no one can consent in prison. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's true. It's a fun yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we do need not, to tell. Not ju- so fun fact. Yeah. No, not a fun yeah. fact. But well. Were you gonna say something? About <laughs> well, I was gonna say like uh, he says he says to fuck guys like you in prison. Who is that an insult to? Because yeah. like if he was fucking guys like Patrick Swayze in prison, he was doing pretty well. He yeah, yeah. Fair like, enough. He turns was, on him. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, and it's sort of I guess like a homophobic sort of power dynamic yeah. thing. Yeah. Sort of, He's trying to be the alpha dog by saying yeah. you're not actually that big, but really yeah. he is that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. and it it's like a compliment to Patrick yeah. Swayze. He's like you're my type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's also admitting that he's been to prison and patrick swayze yeah. hasn't so it's also it's not a brag that it's like it's not like i used to fuck guys like you when i was like skiing in the aspens or yeah. something like that, <laughs> or or, to, like the only gay bar in town yeah exactly it's like when i was doing a stint in prison <laughs> yeah which is again not a brag um i don't know if any of you guys thought the music during the fight sounded familiar because like I said, this is the same guy who scored Die Hard, and this is unapologetically just the same score from the final hey. fight in Die Hard, which again, not illegal to do. You no. can just use your same score if you're it's the same his guy. Song, yeah, or his score. So um, I did look it up. There's only about 13 minutes left in the movie <laughs> after he kills Jimmy and he gets the call from Wesley. So between the time he gets the call from Wesley and when credits roll, it's about 13 minutes left in the movie. And it's all downhill. Yeah, it's all kind of... Well, it's downhill like the way a sled is slide. Yeah, but yeah. The car rolls downhill. Yeah. The, you, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you can go. I was just going to ask, are you going to ask us about how he kills Jimmy? Yeah, I was actually about to say that same thing. Oh, in yeah, the most yeah. Mortal Kombat movie yeah. ever? Not in a that question also way. also so comical, cartoonish, but so I don't stupid. know it. Like... <laughs> Well, it is what everyone. I still love it. I don't know why. It is what everyone said about like the previous murder that he did. He ripped a guy's throat out. Yeah, I'm glad we got to see it because like when I first heard it, first watching this movie, I'm like, okay, that sounds weird, but it was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, without seeing it, you kind of picture somebody like taking their whole neck off so that their head's kind of floating Mm -hmm. above for a second. You picture him with the whole spine in his hand. Exactly like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. right. (laughs) I was picturing like a, like in the Temple of Doom where they like Kalima yeah. pulls the heart out. You know, yeah. well it is sort of that. Yeah, like it is most like that. I yeah. would say because he, what does he do with the like trachea? Yeah, yeah. He pulls we don't his, fully see like at all because like a little bit further away. But he does mm-hmm. just grab whatever's there and pulls it out of his. Throat. Yeah, he's holding like a like yeah. a giblet. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is like a turkey like yeah. gizzard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, because I don't think it was a real throat, a human throat. I think it was probably... <laughs> it not. Yeah. How do you not end the movie right there? Yeah. Right? Also, that wouldn't kill you right away. It would be. It would do pretty... I think I, if you ripped your you whole trachea out... Yeah. I don't know. I... <laughs> I, you'd live, I think, a good long while. You could get a surgery. <laughs> well, yeah. If, I if don't think me- you'd have air. He fell into a, a like hole. a pond. 
Yeah. I, I'm, we don't have to talk about this more, but I think you'd be fine. I think you'd bleed out. Yeah. Oh, well, certainly, but mm-hmm. yeah. It's so, like, is it like a chicken? The body keeps running around for a little mm-hmm. bit? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so after the fight, um, I think it's, I actually didn't write this down, but I think it's again back to the double deuce. I think if you control F, like cut back to the double deuce. Meanwhile. Yeah, meanwhile. There's a lot of meanwhile in this movie. Um so um, Dalton gets a call from Wesley. It's time for the final set piece of the movie, and he's got a way to do it for my next question. Can anybody explain to me what the game he asked Dalton to play? He asks him, like, who do you want to die, uh, Wade or the Doc? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and, a real Harvey Dent. Yeah, and then when it he, really is. Yeah, and then and when he doesn't agree to play. He doesn't he? agree to play, so he flips a coin, mm-hmm. and he says, like, well, I wish I could tell you what the result is, yeah. but you're just going to have to find Some, out or something. Something Harvey Dent does. Something yeah. Harvey Dent does, yeah. And then he's like, and then Patrick Swayze says, but I thought you were dead, and he says, half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Did you watch the three-hour one? You told me you can't. Um, so yeah, and then after he gets that phone call, he does a very bad job of convincing Doc to leave. He because, just grabs her. Yeah, he like kind of r- breaks into an x-ray room and like shakes her by the shoulder. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's like, HIPAA, HIPAA, you can't yeah. be in here. Yeah, and again, like the last time we saw her, she was like, please leave. And and he's like, you and me are leaving. And she's like, no. With no explanation. Yeah. He didn't just grab her arm and say, we're leaving. And said like, hey, I pissed off Wesley. He's out to get you. Like, take two seconds to explain those. I received a phone call from Wesley and yeah. he said, I will either kill you yeah. or Wade. I'm not sure which of the two he's, he's going to kill. He's threatening your life. Yeah. We need to go. Well, yeah. before that happens, and I was confused by this, especially because of how poorly executed this whole scenario <laughs> is. But- Wade walks in, right? And they have a conversation right yeah. after they have so, this phone. So yeah. here's Talk. what here's what um happens is so Wade walks in sor- shortly after he gets the phone call, but he's been beaten up. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And he said he he says he like got away. And so he's like, Okay, you're here at the double deuce. You hang out here. I'm going to go get Doc. Because I think he assumes because Wade escapes that Doc is the one that he's going to kill. Like he they harmed Wade, but they're going to kill Doc. But they actually go back. Why wouldn't they Mm -hmm. just go together? (laughs) Like why? Yeah, why bring him along? Get in the car. Because because no one stay in the car. You'll be fine. Yeah, because no one knows where the double deuce is. (laughs) Yeah, he's like hidden there. He's safe there. But they do know where the Jasper Memorial Hospital is. That mu- is that what it actually I is? Think so, oh yeah. yeah, well, yeah. That was my next question. Oh, wasn't no, it? of course not. <laughs> Just like this movie, I'm speeding towards the end of my like my script here. Um, so yeah, we we like um, he goes back to the bar after unsuccessfully convincing Doc to leave the thing that she wanted to do the last time they spoke, and he finds that Wade is sleeping on the bar again. <laughs> oh wait, no wait, I misread my notes. He's actually been murdered, or maybe the knife just did that. Mm-hmm. We never, it's never made clear to us if he was murdered or if the knife just did that. Knife acted on its own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this scene, not because Sam Elliott dies, but because it's one of the funniest things that I find in movies like this where we have these stoic male action heroes. Um, and this is the only part where I don't 
Patrick Swayze did not do an incredible job acting, but I just think it's so funny. When you're playing this stoic, emotionally constipated, repressed man, and you're trying to show emotion, and you're not used to doing that. So the actor is just kind of fighting with himself, being like, gotta be stoic, gotta be sad, gotta be stoic. And he just scrunches his face up in a way that's just like so moody looking and just like, I don't know what to do. It's just, it's it's bad acting, but it is hilarious. He does not know what to do with himself. Can't feel emotion repressed for too long. <laughs> so now we cut to Wesley's place and there's a lot of dudes with shotguns and they are very... Um, they're, it's very clear that these aren't real shotguns because I don't know if you guys noticed the one dude who's like scratching his back with the, the prop <laughs> shotgun. <laughs> it's like some real like, okay, you're holding this prop gun. It's like, oh, I have to do some business with the gun. Like, oh, I'll just do this or something like that with it. When they're firing the shotguns, the one guy, Patrick, is doing a yatta, yatta. Yeah, yeah. Like, he really stood out as like, oh, he's never fired a gun before. No. Well, not that prop shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a pretty awesome car stunt, at least I would argue, with the car yeah. driving up mm-hmm. towards the actors and it goes up and mm-hmm. then it turns out that Patrick Swayze wasn't in, in there. I thought he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> End of movie. Yeah. So I kind of mentioned this before. I think the knife guy goes back into the house. He finds one henchman dead, then two. And apparently there's a lot of action cut out of this scene. I mean, suddenly this movie becomes Rambo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I was going to say, I guess Dalton is like Batman, yeah. where he refuses right. to use a gun, mm-hmm. but he will mortally wound somebody. Yeah. Like he'll push them off of a second story like window or something like that to the their uh, um, eventual death, but he won't shoot them because that would be on like, that would be on toward. Yeah, I got the sense too that there's some sort of weird... Like, he's not going to murder again mm-hmm. vibe to it. But he does stab. He does stab, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So he, kill, he presumably kills all mm-hmm. the other guys. Oh, absolutely. No, no. no. He, yeah. he does explicitly kill all the other henchmen, but not with guns, because that yeah. would be bad. Bad guys kill people with guns. Good guys kill people with their bare hands or with <laughs> blades. So well, he d- it's, it's a peaceful death that way. Yeah. Unless you have to be stabbed multiple times or your body is broken to the point where you give in. So he does, Dalton, spoiler alert, does kill the knife henchmen. Um, Does anybody remember for the next question the line that um, Dalton delivers when he kills the knife henchmen? It doesn't really make any sense until you think about it. And then when you think about it a little more, it also makes no sense again and goes back and forth. This is a stab in the dark. Does he say <laughs> knife to meet you? <laughs> no, because that would make sense the whole way through. Um, if nobody has a guess, he says tails again, uh, calling back uh, the heads. At, yeah, which again, he doesn't know doesn't if it was heads. Or, yeah, no. Yeah, it's a long walk. Yeah. So exactly. You went, ah, uh, and then you're like, no, it doesn't make any. Yeah. You get that. Doesn't make sense. Does. Yeah. Doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So my next question, what does Dalton say when he pushes the polar bear on Tinker? Can you even bear it? No, again, you're thinking too (laughs) straight down the middle. Does he say nice to meet zoo? (laughs) No. Okay. Does he say this really gives one pause? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, that's all, I, I five to all of us for that. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I would argue Bob's. Great job. I would argue Bob's is the closest. He said you were made for each other. Oh. And in, no, don't don't well, no don't bother scrunching your like nose because you you won't find anything at the other end. It's just that's what he says. So I've got one more. Um, finish this line. Um, this is Wesley says this as soon as he first confronts Dalton. I see you found my trophy room, Dalton. Yeah, he says something like, the only thing it's missing is your ass. Mm. I see See you found my trophy room, Dalton. The only thing missing is your ass. Yeah. Wesley says, this isn't about weight, is it? He was an old man. Again, <laughs> Sam Elliott's 44. He's 14 years <laughs> younger than Ben Gazzara. Um, um, I bet it's about Wade. You didn't. You killed him like a few hours before the events of this yeah. scene. Yeah, doesn't he keep going on and on? He's like, "You killed all my boys." Yeah, he and does. Yeah. 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 About it. yeah, you've killed all of my guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is fair, but still. Yeah, I've been pretty kind to it. I haven't really been like um, talking too much like crap about the end of this movie. I kind of pretty much agree with everything you guys said, but the specific comment that I had is sometimes action movies really mess this up when you leave the final villain to be an older man who's sort of, it makes sense that like the older man's one of the last people killed, but you want the last person to be a heavy, Mm -hmm. to be like somebody who- The final boss. This would be like, again, you you tweak a little bit of this and then um, Wesley is standing up there and he sends Jimmy down or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this is where they have their final fight. But instead, like like Wesley is here, and and I think the way the movie like justifies it is he was like hurt earlier or something, or or Wesley gets like one or two cheap shots in on mm-hmm. him, so he's like mm-hmm. wounded. But even still, it's not that interesting because then again, it's like the only thing that's really exciting is when Swayze can do like sort of the dancer fighting, and if he either is if he can do that, it doesn't make any sense that he can't beat Wesley, yeah. and if he can't do that then it's not that interesting anymore yeah you really got to give him like a james cameron mech suit like, oh that know, would that be would... great oh man yes. like the alien mech suit <laughs> or even if he crawled yeah. inside one of those like uh, the bear yeah like the bear <laughs> right that would yeah. be cool yeah it's like it, uh, it's like he turns and one of the um bugaboo creek steakhouse like things is, is a xenomorph or something <laughs> like that yeah, um, and then he could say Nice to eat you. <laughs> yeah. So um, he does end up besting Wesley, believe it or not, an older man. Mm-hmm. But Wesley tries to kill him. Then all the bus- business owners shoot him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, so he gets murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. all have a piece of him. Yeah. And so again, to kind of, for my next question, to kind of really hit home how kind of unsatisfying the ending is. Can anybody tell me which character delivers the final speaking line in this movie? Yeah, this is Tinker. And yep. I, can, I can give you the line too if you want because I also noted this is the last line of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was, 
polar bear fell on me. <laughs> yep, and that was actually my last two questions. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's no. You got them both right. Did you see? Did you see anything? I'm really um, far behind, so I'm giving myself two. Yeah. Points. So you give? Did anybody? Did you see anything, Tinker? And then they cut to some taxidermied monkeys, one of which has their hand over their yes. mouth. Yes. Great and, joke. And Tinker says, "A polar bear fell on me." Then there's a guitar sting, and that's the last line of the movie. There's a little like kind of skinny dipping scene at the end, mm-hmm. but then that's it. Garbage. And so that's I maintain <laughs> that they took a different movie and they grafted it onto this movie. Yeah, I, it just doesn't. The so many of the the choices are so good in the first part of the movie, and yeah. they make so much sense in the character, and then the last third of the movie makes no sense yeah i think there's an earth b where the ending of this movie it doesn't even have to be great it's it better than this decent. and mm-hmm. and roger ebert is not like saying so bad it's good or like people mm-hmm. aren't giving yeah. this movie razzies like yeah. it is crazy how like at least again it, like in my viewing of this even if you don't think this movie is great i it blows my mind to think that this movie is like bad like it like it, the yeah. idea that it's not like middling is like confusing to me i, think, I did uh sorry no, i was just gonna say i think it would be a really cool like script writing exercise to i thought about tried to think about the point of this is like i would like to see somebody take from like right after the scene where the uh red's place catches on fire and he they walk back into the bar and the Bad guy is there, Brad. Mm-hmm. But what is his name again? Wesley. Wesley. Wesley and his goons are there. I take it from that point and rewrite the rest. That is of a great writing. writing. Like I think that that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Is like what would you do differently? Yeah. Because. I'm sure I, you'd come up with something better. Yeah, yeah. yeah next time you're doing a record, get the porch room to rewrite yeah, the yeah. end of this movie. You, you write one more scene, and then the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an hour and a half, right. yeah. and yeah. It's, it's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wrote this note down because um, the end of the character arc we get for Dalton is that he chooses not to rip a guy's throat out. Um, and like that's nothing else happens to him character wise. It's just like, hey, you did this twice before, and I guess you're working on your anger. Um, I just wrote choosing not to kill a man may help you with your anger, but not with your trauma and emotional processing. Because mm-hmm. like he doesn't learn anything else. He just like is there with his fist all curled up, getting ready to do it. He's like, oh, internal battle. Should I do it? Should I not do it? And then he doesn't. And that's the only character arc he gets yeah. Yeah. and it totally falls flat because he just killed like five <laughs> so other many people, people. Yeah. Yeah. But, he, but not with a neck with yeah, a throat it's, ripping it's that's somehow or with guns yeah. it is so funny that he's got his hand up like he's killer kowalski and he's about to do the claw like <laughs> and to be fair um uh wesley did put a gun in his face and that's when sam elliott told him that it was okay to kill someone if they have a gun mm, in your face yeah. and he still chose not to but still, that was a very weird scene at the yeah. end. But he always was nice. It's also nice. after they murder on the Orient Express him, they <laughs> he goes around and collects all the guns yeah, yeah. from the people like right before yeah, the police come in. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, what could he possibly do yeah. with those guns My that dude, they get away with? Your handprints are on every yeah. gun now. <laughs> yeah. When when the police show up, you're sort of like who the hell are these people? <laughs> like, we never see them in we the movie We never see them. That. I wrote that yeah. down, it's, too. It's like, it's like if um, Ben Gazzara's 
um, character had like them trapped in like a magical mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. crystal prison, well, and then his death like released <laughs> them they, from the prison. They have no presence. Give us a scene where he is like you know they they come on the scene and he's like nothing to see here, officers, and then mm-hmm. the officers oh, do mm-hmm. something that we we see at the end one time and it's. I mean to make another Batman reference. I think they're trapped in the subway. Under like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they're gonna dig themselves out for the final confrontation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of digging ourselves out, um, can you dig us out of this like episode and yes, tell it, us who the winner is? It was not anyone's game. Um, in third place is myself with 13 points, in second place is Bob with 16, and our winner is Steve with 20 points. There you go, took it away, took it away, mm. yeah, and so, um. I shouldn't have relied on Steve to get me this information about this, but for the consolation prize, I have some copies of like the in um, the Heart of Darkness for you guys. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh great! Okay. Yeah, and Just read the shirtless, right? Yeah. yeah, I guess that's staying in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. And for you, Steve, <laughs> I have um, this um, like uh, gift certificate for an Airbnb at this like loft that I Ooh. found in oh. Jasper, um, Missouri. How lovely. That's good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I hope you don't mind the. Um, the fragrance of nature. I can teach Clyde to ride a horse. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a nice getaway for you and Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the only th- prize I consistently remember having won. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> Steve, would you recommend this movie? Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> uh, this is a good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no, it's, is it dumb? Yes. Is the concept dumb? Absolutely. Uh, does it all make sense at the end? No, but as as Jonathan, our favorite elf from the <laughs> Christmas that always want, yeah, the Christmas that almost wasn't, we don't care if it all makes sense. <laughs> the name of the movie is Roadhouse. <laughs> it's a new tagline for this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mo, would you recommend this movie? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's so much fun to watch. Like it is so dumb at moments, but it is just so enjoyable. The music's great. The fighting's great. Like it's just. The characters commit. Like every actor is good in this movie. They casted it well. Um, I also want to take the time because we forgot to mention um, one of the outfits that uh, Patrick Swayze wears, where he has like a karate top tucked into jeans. Oh yeah, and I love yes. that outfit so much. It's just his personality in a nutshell. He's kind of uh, you know zen on the top and party on the bottom, <laughs> but um, yes. he wears it a couple times, and I just. The choices like that is what makes this movie so unique and so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's Tiger Showman's, but in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to his uh, his karate jeans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's two episodes in a row. Mark, <laughs> where mentioned Tiger I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Bob, would you recommend this movie? Yes, I would recommend this movie. You can watch this movie. It's a really good movie. And then I also recommend that you can watch it again. And the great thing about watching it again <laughs> is that when you get to the point, you know, after he defeats Jimmy, you can just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have, you've already seen the end. So you don't have to watch it another time. Yeah. You can pretend that the movie ends there. Or you can sit for another th- 13, 13 minutes, minutes and then yeah, see the end can. of it. Yeah. No, but you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, you can look down at your phone and look up and you'll see yep. the you'll see Tinker under that bear and you'll be like, "Yeah, Tinker, our favorite. Yeah. Our favorite goon." And uh yeah, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning, this is the type of movie that I wanted to do when we first started this podcast. Mm-hmm. It is like dumb as steve mentioned but 
that's my favorite like kind of movie if i had to like choose one where it's like doesn't whether or not it's good or bad the story of the movie should be interesting and weird and unique and exciting and you should be rooting for the characters and like excited to see how they react in this strange situation and roadhouse has a very weird situation with a bunch of interesting characters that you're excited to see respond and so for that reason, I absolutely 100% recommend that you check out this movie if you have not already. Mm-hmm. And even if you have, as Bob said, just watch it again. Watch it again. Um, and so with that, let's uh, wrap things up. Steve, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I'd like to give a quick plug to uh, Tiger Shulman, which <laughs> I, I don't quite understand what it is, but I think it's a like a mall karate place. Yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo, do you have anything to um, plug? Just watch Roadhouse. Like I just want. I know it's this. this oh is wow! We were talking the first, about. the first it's double just... to plug it and to recommend it. <laughs> wow! Double deuce. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything with uh, with uh, Swayze too. He's just really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we've already mentioned like Dancing, only yeah Outsiders, Ghost. Go watch Swayze. Yeah, Red Dawn. Swayze yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. How about you, Bob? Uh, yeah, uh, check out Mission Rejected. Great podcast, uh, lots of fun actors. If you want to hear me do a kind of a, I guess, some similar like Sam Elliott type uh, character in a couple episodes, um, that definitely happens. Uh, you can also check out uh, Oops All Bards, in which I play a uh, folk singy uh, bard. Um, yeah, so a couple, couple great podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, season five of Mission Rejected is coming out soon. Oh, great! Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Do you have cool. an exact date for that? No, or like I do an exact not. month. Uh, okay, no t- worries. Twenty twenty four. Okay, <laughs> that narrows it down to <laughs> a certain time of the year or a certain year in all of history. Um, and so, um, I will just um, plug this podcast that you're listening to right now. Please rate and review. Um, and subscribe if you haven't already and tell a friend about it. it really helps the show grow an audience also um like like to shout out our instagram it's at what did we just watch all, uh, underscores. all underscores um we always put out like information about this movie and also the week before the um the movie comes out we preview it so you can um, watch the movie ahead of time if you like to have it watched right before the podcast drops and also that's where the conversation is afterwards so come on and say hi with that i'll we'll see you guys next time thanks for listening goodbye mm-hmm. bye be nice be nice mm, be nice pain don't hurt pain don't hurt <laughs> mm. goodbye yeah. yeah thanks joe cooler yeah i can't remember it was so long ago i can't remember if that was still the voice. <laughs> I'm Joe Cooler. (laughs) Or wasn't it Bill Cooler? Uh, It doesn't matter. It wasn't. Um, I would like to read one of the taglines for this movie. The dancing's over. Now let's get dirty. No uh, way. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah. Man. A meta tagline, which again, wow. I'm pro meta taglines. If <laughs> the draw of this movie, because I'm sure each of you and our audience at home can picture in your mind's eye what the poster of this is. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a brick wall 
and Patrick Swayze leaning on a brick wall. So you're going to the movie Roadhouse to watch Patrick Swayze, I guess, fight a house or something. Yeah, or (laughs) just stand there against a wall the whole time looking really hot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and again for the three-hour cut. Um, So you might as well talk about the like sort of box office destroying hit that he had just done. So so like yeah, I'm very pro that. So yeah, I think it was successful and it probably worked, but it's still wild they just fully referenced yeah. an unrelated movie in their tagline. Again, I'm pro if you're gonna do taglines, make a meta or make them silly or make them reference stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that every rock movie isn't a like a reference to the last like hit that the rock has or something like that yeah the the rock does have there's that one uh tagline that i think is one of the greatest taglines of so, all time so yeah i don't remember what the movie is so that's sort of a problem wait it's with the rock and um kevin hart, kevin hart. there's uh, more than Jumanji? one so, no Jumanji it's one where it's, they do um, i think they play fbi agents Yes, um, uh, central intelligence. Central intelligence, yeah. Somet- sometimes to crack a case, it takes a, a lot of heart. No, a, what is it? <laughs> a little heart and a big Johnson. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Mm-hmm. Saving the world takes a there little heart and a big Johnson. Yeah. Better than the movie, I can only imagine. Yeah, oh yeah, no. That movie might be too bad for us to cover on this. Again, yeah, not good we, I, I've got panelists who I can't stop them from writing there's, scripts. Like, there's like so. a joke He's in that tried. movie where it shows The Rock as like a high schooler. Yeah. And he's like, he's like ha- has like a high shrill voice and he's out of shape. And that's the joke. Is it the Isn't act- that is funny? It Dwayne Johnson playing himself as a yeah, but he's like CGI'd or? up. Ugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can cut that out, Steve. All you have to do is ask. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, okay, cut, yeah. cut that, cut all that out. out. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> cut oh, the whole. Yeah, no tangents on the podcast. <laughs> Where cut have you out. been? <laughs> Take it outside. Yeah. But also, good job, Steve. You're pretty funny. 